Hey everyone, and welcome to episode three. I just want to drop a quick programming note to remind you that you can reach out with questions or comments on Instagram at BigBadFigCast, all one word. And I will continue to post links relative to the discussion in the show notes, Instagram post, and on YouTube. Today's episode is one I'm really excited to share, and I hope this interview with Phoenix Customs provides you with some insight on both their creative process and the challenges involved in running a premium custom brand. Lastly, in the show notes, I put a direct link to a November 2021 interview of Phoenix by the Bricks and Banter podcast. It's a great episode by a great show that you should definitely check out as it provides additional insight into Phoenix's early days and how this all came to be. Alrighty, that being said, let's do it. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Big Bad Figcast. I'm your host, Brett, also known as Geek Over 40, and co-hosting today is Phil, returning from episode two, otherwise known hey. as Phil Fat Cat Bricks. Hey guys. And along with Phil, we've been blessed to be joined by arguably the most well-known brand creator of custom minifigures. Uh, I know him as Adam, but you will know him as Phoenix Customs. Thanks for coming on, Adam. No problem. Thanks for having me, Brett. Good to be here. Yep. And uh, Adam, you're part of the closed circle that got a chance to preview episodes one and two before they went public. Yes. Fantastic stuff. Yep. That was awesome. So I, I appreciate your discretion until we reveal this uh, <laughs> in about four more days on the Geek Exchange. You got it. <laughs> Zipped. All right. So we've uh, gave you the opportunity to be in the hot seat, you know, or or get the questions ahead of time. And you chose to be brave. Hot seat it is, baby. Yeah. Let's do it on the fly. Yeah, well, I can't piss you off, man. This is this is to give me credibility. I need you on this podcast, man. <laughs> hey, man, nothing will get me going, man. I love this stuff. So, so uh, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to skip to my very last question. Does your family know how big of a deal you are in this hobby? Or are you just <laughs> dad who makes some figs? Yeah, I'm dad that makes figs for the most part. It's just every so often. Um, here's a funny story. So, um, I live in uh, Minneapolis or Minnesota, and so the closest Lego store is up in the Mall of America. And about I want to say it was four years ago, we went uh, with my son, my mom, my dad, and uh, I think it was my daughter. My wife wasn't with us at the trip, and anyway, we went to the Lego store, and we're checking things out, just ooing and on everywhere. And my mom was outside with my with my daughter because she was kind of bored, so she just started building stuff because they have these little buildable stations, things like that, and this dad was sitting there talking with my mom about things and all of a sudden he leans over and this is what my mom tells me leans over he's like you think these are cool you got to check out some of these custom things they make nowadays they're just unbelievable <laughs> and she shows he shows my mom one of my figures and she goes that's my son and the guy literally like drops his jaw he's like shut up and he was <laughs> so my mom was like yeah let's go say hi to him and and he was like grabbing them and bringing them into the store. And all of a sudden I walk over and, and the guy's like, you're Phoenix customs. I was like, yeah, I'm Adam. <laughs> yeah. And then I introduced myself, said, Hey, thanks for, you know, the follow blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and he was, and my mom was like, that guy was really into your stuff. Are you, 
like how did he know you and i was like well i guess he's and then all of a sudden he another guy heard that from the store and walked out and he's like so i overheard are you phoenix custom so like two people in the store walked up to me and started saying like <laughs> introducing themselves and one of them was like i'm a huge fan and my mom was like i think i think you're kind of a big thing maybe and i was like uh, no it's just luck but yeah it's it's always with the kids they just they don't quite believe it. my wife is starting to believe and my daughter is too now just because she knows you know when she saw an instagram she's like because she has an instagram account and she just kind of checked it out for funsies she was like dad you have you have like eighteen thousand subscribers like that's crazy i was like yeah it's kind of crazy isn't it and she's like yeah that i've never seen that many for you know a hobby i was like yeah i guess so um and my wife is always you know she's always surprised at how many things like when i used to run the website how many things i'd be shipping within a month or two and just like you ship that much stuff people buy that much i was like yeah so but it's still every day it's kind of like well did you clean up did you do this and like oh do your lego hobby whatever so, so, <laughs> so well if you want to impress her i mean get your butt to brick fair finally i know i know <laughs> I've been saying that to every single person I chat with about like, that's the last thing I have not quite, you know, there's, it's kind of like this divergent thing. There's like this online community that I, that's my space. That's kind of where I'm inhabiting, um, you know, with Phil and all those old school folks from the Flickr days, all the way up till, you know, the Instagram days, I guess you could call it. And then there's like the convention folks and the mockers and the modders and all that. And there's a space I'm sure between there, but I've just never, quite gotten to the conventions and it's always i swear every year i tell myself okay this is the year because i used to live uh down in peoria illinois which is only two hours from chicago and brick brick world chicago was every year and every year i swear i'd say to the kids we're going there one year my my, my kid got sick on the way there like about an hour out so we had to turn around and go home another time um my daughter we remembered she had this recital so we had to turn back and go to there's always some stupid excuse every year, but yeah, I, I got to find my way to one of those, either brick fair or brick world, or, um, I guess there's a brick fest coming this year to St. Paul that I've, I've actually bought tickets for. So maybe I'm can, I'm actually can, um, locked into that one finally, but we'll see. I, yeah, I need to do that for sure. And it doesn't count until it's brick fair, Virginia. I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's like 10 minutes from my work. Every time I hear people say that's the place to go, that it's, it's the best one. But uh, yeah, you want to get practicing your signature, Adam? You'll be signing figs all day long. <laughs> oh my God, eBay would blow up. <laughs> oh, you know, it's funny. It. I actually, I uh, I wrote. It's funny that you mentioned that. I one time uh, just wrote a little note uh, to somebody uh, sending their fig late. I think it was just saying like thanks for your patience, and then signed my name after that. And <laughs> one of my friends on Instagram goes. Do you know that this hit on eBay and this made the figure sell for like 50 bucks more? I'm like, what? No way. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's That's so sad, funny. but it's hilarious. It is. And I just, I think it's so funny because it's like, and no, it's just me scribbling, but okay. Going into something a little less lighthearted, I'm going to be remiss if I didn't ask this one question that everyone's going to ask. Now, the timing couldn't have been more perfect because this morning you actually put out an update. Mm, the latest okay. status with the Rex Spideys. Now, oh, yeah. you've been very transparent on the timetable with your Instagram stories, but I kind of want, yeah. yeah, no, you've always been great about it, but I wanted to give you the floor to address maybe some of the uh, production nuances that collectors may not be aware of, such as Rex's current limitations on simultaneous printing. I was wondering if you could just give us a little more insight because you are 
a brand that a lot of new collectors gravitate towards, and they may not understand how some of these things work. Oh yeah, well I'm I'm flattered you say that. Um, first of all, yeah, I I think that's uh, a frustration. I honestly am on the same page with the collectors. It's very frustrating when something that you think would be straightforward, easy, something you can get done quickly. You know, if you look at it compared to like other figs with parts and all that kind of things. But uh, the first thing I want to say is a lot of people get confused when they see that they think it's my figure, which, you know, um, that was kind of when I, I was in the middle of transitioning away from selling exclusive figures that are mine to where I'm designing figures for other brands slash collabs. And Rex is one of those that actually has his own, or yeah, he has his own production and printing group that he works with. So I basically made the design for him. He takes it after the sales went in and he brings it to his production and they kind of produce it on their own. Whereas, you know, most of the collabs, I'd say probably 75% of the collabs. And actually once Rex gets caught up, his collabs with me will all go to my production and printing that I partner with. That way it's kind of more consistent and it's also more reliable. Like we have a timetable and everything kind of gets in line and, and gets pushed through. And the nice thing is my production is varied. It's in different locations, which during COVID was huge. We found that out right away that, you know, if we're only in one location, you get screwed if, you know, for shutdowns, COVID and all that kind of thing. But because of that, and related to that, Rex and his production literally had probably some of the worst luck you could ever have. And also on, the, on top of that, he can only print uh, one or two jobs at a time, depending on, because his production he works with apparently prints with a whole slew of other things, not just Lego. And so he's kind of limited that way. And they're not as attuned to the needs of like the Lego community and the customs community. Whereas a lot of companies you see kind of make deals and they work with a lot of Lego. So they're kind of, they just know that. And so that's the first thing. The second thing to note is that he just literally, if you look at all the history of all the, the, the people that were printing over COVID, you know, they got maybe hit with one delay or so. I've never seen any company like his that got hit with like three or four in a row. And I, I even saw the messages he would forward them to me because I was like, after the third time, I was like, this sounds like a joke. And he'd send me the message from his directly so I could read it, what, the, what was going on. And so I think the problem is, whereas my production companies adapted and moved to different places so they could have more reliability to get things done and move things as need be, his was kind of stubborn and just stayed in this one area that China, you know, in China, they have multiple lockdowns and when they lock down they lock down full on whereas you can't do anything until covid's pretty much down to zero at least this was before the last wave which kind of changed their approach but so rex has kind of been hit with three different times where they were, had to close down and for the first time they actually were closed for three months because of that as you know when you kind of start up it kind of you take a while to get going again and once you get going you know the first time they locked down we were halfway i want to say we were halfway no we got all the way done with the um, oh, what the heck is it? The one from Loki, the character we did from Loki. Why can't I think of his name? We got done with that one and we were just getting started with the Black Panther figure. And then halfway through, they just shut down again. And then when they came back, they had to restart up on the helmets and kind of figure that out again. And, and everything is super slow. It's kind of like the sp when kids go away for the summer for, for school, it's the same thing. It takes a while to get back up to speed especially with something as complex as printing helmets, things like that. So it's just slowed everything down. So I, can't, I, I do feel bad for all those collectors that are waiting and waiting for something that you would think would be so simple, just printing a figure. But they have to realize we kind of have to go in a row 
that all these things are set up. And once those are finished, he can get the next job up on the line. And he can only do, you know, I've really pushed that they, he can do two at a time now. He's been working on, they had the Doc Ock one and they had the uh, amazing Spider-Man one kind of right there at the same time. And the Doc Ock one is very complex. If you guys have seen the render of it, each yeah. articulated part of the arm has to be connected to the next one in the series of interlocking things. So if you can count how many of those per arm, they have to put all those together for the number of people that ordered it. So it took a long time to put those things together and they had to dedicate more workers to that too, which slowed that process down. So it's, it's just a mess of logistics, COVID and bad timing and kind of bad planning on their printers part to not diversify more in different locations so they could deal with the COVID issues. But it's, I totally, I'm on the same wavelength as customers, believe me. And Rex is just as frustrated with his group. He doesn't know what else to do. He can't, you know, he's locked in you know, you have to do down payments, things like that for these figures. It's, you can't get those back, unfortunately, for those, uh, the two that we're currently working on. So those are, those are all the issues that happen with that. And I do feel bad. The good thing is that I just announced to that the Doc Ock, I think we're finished with that one. So it should be shipping to him and he should be getting that one out soon. The amazing one, we're, I think about uh, first third of it into the, we did the test prints to see how they lay out. And now we're doing the fine tuning with printing in it and looking the colors on the parts. So hopefully that should be done in the next two, three weeks and get out. And he's currently getting, now that we're done with the Doc Ock, the original Arachnid ones, getting up, those up and going. So we're going to get caught up. Our plan is to get by the end of May, all of the, the ones that are outstanding done. So I'm really pushing them to get that, that date on all of them. So then the frustrations are done. We can move on to my production and with the remaining figs. So it is frustrating though. No, I get it. It was a perfect storm. And it's funny that, with the barrage of things that are always coming out and coming off the line at the same time, you think we'd be distracted enough to be okay. Well, that's coming when it's coming, but you know, some folks are on more limited budgets and they only buy one fig at a time. So that's what they're focused on. So yep. I think that's where some of the frustration comes from. Yeah. And on top of that, when you're seeing that he's got those figs and then people sold figs either just about the same time or even after that, and they're getting theirs done and printed out and they just don't understand, you know, that there's, you know, there's luck a bit of that to do with it. And also just their production maybe had, you know, different locations that were hit as hard as they, as his was. So it's just some a, brands share factories and they have to, you know, they're the, exactly. they some money aside if they want to get pushed to the front of the line. Yep. And it's, it's a, it's an unfortunate set of events that if we all could have prepared for that, you know, we would have put a lot of uh, his other figures with my production who could handle that. I just, if I would have known back then, I think I would have done that a little differently with him. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. What are you going to do? You know, mm-hmm. all we can do is move forward as fast and as best we can without, you know, my biggest thing is we can't, we can't give up on quality control. That's even if the speed is really important, that's always the biggest thing. You know, you got to stand by the work you do. So I want to make sure the work we're doing is still top notch. So I'm pretty, I'm a big stickler on making, I'm kind of a perfectionist, not when it comes to those things. I knew, I do miss things here and there sometimes, but I like a look to look certain way. I like things to be positioned certain ways, you know, so well, it has that's, that look. That's a perfect segue into my next question. Another thing not many collectors are aware of is the unique dynamic of the fact that you guys are oceans apart um, with your collab you know, partners in their factories. And so I imagine that distance adds the production time because you're constantly mailing back and forth the test prints and other aspects of quality checks. And then you get your lost packages. Uh, I remember you said you have a fondest taste, I believe it was for DHL. Oh God, D 
DHL and yeah, mortal enemies. Yeah. So a lot of folks don't even realize, well, Rex is in China and you're in the States. And that adds to the to the production time. Yeah, it does. But also just for mine, yeah, for mine, I've actually got it down to a T. You know, I first of all, I forced my own production to actually only ship via FedEx. It's it's higher price. It sucks that way, but it's more reliable. I get it really quick and then I can make, you know, because they're they literally a lot of times we'll have, well, actually nowadays it's it's more diversified, but before it used to be where they would literally set up the prints on all these printers, do the test print, send it to me with it just sitting there waiting for my approval or adjustments, and then they'd get to printing. Whereas now it's a little more intense, so they don't do that anymore. But that's why, you know, they'd have to, I'd have to wait for, you know, five or 10 days, whatever, to get here, look at the packaging, take high-end or high-D pictures of things and analyze them and see how they look compare them to Lego colors, things like that. It's just, it's intense. I just don't think a lot of people really appreciate all the time intensive things you have to do at each step. And that it's not just, you send it to them, they produce it, it's sent to you. That's, there's so many more steps. And that's why we're doing this podcast and we're doing this interview because we want to, you know, look behind the curtain and see what's really going on and just educate because the more educated they are, the more calm they'll be. And also the more accountable some brands will be as they know the customers now understand what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say like uh, more uh, like the older collectors, like Phil, I, I would guarantee, I bet you've kind of had at least an idea of like what pad printing is and the difference between that and UV. Would you say that you kind of do, or at least have a general idea? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, whenever, whenever you get people sort of getting riled up about uh, delays and things, I always try to explain, you know, it is a process. It's project management. It's not uh it's not a case of oh, I've just drawn this picture. I'm going to send it off now, and they'll send it back to me fully printed. It's uh, it's you know, th- there's so many steps, I and mean, it's something I could never do myself. So I can fully appreciate how complex it is. So you know, I, like like Brett was saying, you know, sometimes it is just younger collectors. They're very new to the scene, and they simply just don't understand what goes into it. You know, yeah, like you've got that- you've got other vendors that have got a, a digital printer on site, and they can just bang out uh, designs i mean don't get me wrong even that takes time you've got to refine that design and perfect the printing each time but when when it's in you know it's on site all in house it's much more straightforward and i i think that's where we have the biggest issue people don't appreciate just how different one vendor's process is to another's yep exactly and i can i, I you can see the difference between you know the ones that have like an exclusive deal with a printing group or is in house with the printing group, like even works there or nearby it versus, you know, like me where I'm here in the States, just little old me contracted with groups that are, you know, all over the world in different locations. And then working with those, you know, luckily, you know, I have a background of, you know, administration and uh, working in bigger groups. And I even did customer service before I got into college and all that. So I have, you know, uh, all these things that have helped me do things on my own, but I still have to hire out all these processes. So I don't have control of those. So I do as best I can to kind of corral them all together. But for example, I think a lot of people don't get that there's a lot of steps just to get to the factory setting, you know, where it gets to that part. And then they and me work together with a team to get things to a certain level. And then just to get to the printing going, you know, it's, it's a lot of steps. So you not only have to be creative to create the actual design and idea of the fig, but you have to get the parts there. You have to organize, you know, the numbers you need so that there's enough there for uh, the extras in case there's, you know, some mistakes that are made. You have to have uh, organized to make sure that you have every color listed correctly. You know, there's so many different steps and there's a lot of 
boring parts of this, but there's also some fun parts, you know, the design and the sharing of it online and discussion of it and getting feedback and seeing the finished product. But there's a lot of boring stuff in between of, you know, getting things organized, sending it in, going back and forth and communicating. It's just, um, and then understanding the pad print process, you know, there's so many things to it that to get it to do it well that uh, are behind the scenes that a lot of people don't even understand. As a self-described control freak, I can't imagine how hard that must be knowing you don't have that control overseas because even after you say things good to go, things can still go wrong. Oh, I, I'm telling you, <clears throat> that's the thing is so a lot of, I get a lot of people, I mean, I can't tell you the number of people and I love it. This one of my favorite things is when I see someone at the beginning of the journey come to me and say like, oh, you know, you've inspired me to want to do this myself. And I think I'm finally going to take the jump. What do I need to do? And I always, the first thing I do is I tell them there's an old interview I did that kind of goes through the uh, steps of the things that I do in order to kind of create the the design and to get it to the production, what they have to keep in mind. So I tell them to look at that and then I give them some feedback. But the first thing that they have to understand is that the design principles of Lego and kind of the proportions of things, and that's just the design aspect. And then you got to know how to do, uh, how to uh, prepare it for print and understand that there's layers and how that works. And to me, the funny thing is if I can do it, I was someone that had zero, zero background in design. I'm one of those people that just likes to jump in and learn new things. And uh, I mean, way back and I talk about jumping all over the place with an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I uh, originally got into this because my daughter, when she was like eight or nine or something like that, was playing with Legos and she had the, her favorite TV show in the background. And she was like, dad, can you make a Lego of me and my favorite character um, so I can play with them? And I was like, you know, I probably can. I just got to figure out how to do that. And so I literally for the next week, found a place called Eurobricks. It took me a while and they have this mm -hmm. tutorial on how to use different vector programs for creating vector designs. And then I'd look at how to do decaling. This is back before I did printing and knew about it. That even existed, but I found how to do decaling. And with my big fat fingers was trying to do decals on little tiny Legos for her. And I finally oh, got it. Yeah, I've got a few. Um, Bendel Bricks does a really great job and Bud yes. does. And I just... Every time he puts up a new decal sheet of a Spidey Trooper, I'm like, hybrid. I'm like, hey man, let me just drop you some bones and, and can you do it for me. <laughs> Seriously, I, <laughs> there's no I, way I'll be able to do it. Yeah, there was some people back in the Flickr days that were really good at that. Um, I know. Um, let's see, the brand I was thinking of, uh, AV Figures, I think did. I they may still do uh, a do. lot of Star Wars based decal figures, and they do a great job with that. But every time I see those, I think you know. I remember. I, I almost have P PTSD thinking of those days when I try to get all these water slide decals without ripping and all that with using the uh, clear coats and all those things. That was, that's really, I mean, if you don't do that before you get into the fun stuff, which is pad printing and UV design, you just haven't lived, you know, you got to have the full experience. Well, but, yeah. yeah, I mentioned in, uh, I think it was episode one, I've got like over 40 episodes planned out and I actually do have an episode about decaling uh, planned. Sure. Um, That's like, I mean, people. Hey, Bendel, if you're hearing this, surprise! I'm going to reach out to you and ask if you want to come <laughs> on the show with uh, with Bubricks and and get this all uh, in the bigger spotlight. So, yeah, I think you already answered my next question because we talked about you know Rex's limitations and we talked about the production life cycle, but we keep using throwing the, the term collab, and yes. that can mean a lot of different things, to different people. So, I was wondering if you can just give me the Cliff Notes version when you talk about a collab. Because, you know, you've got like, you know, Dead, was it Deadpool's coming out with Brothers Figure? Um, yes. Your, your yep. Thor series with GB. Yep. Worst things going on with Rex. I mean, you're all over the place. Is <laughs> the, I would say that most of us guess that you're just, you know, selling the designs and providing QC. 
Is that accurate to say, or do you think it's a little more involved in that? What, what would you so, say the collab aspect really is? Good question. Uh, so when it comes to collabing for me, at least on my end, I'm kind of a control freak and people have kind of understood that that's how it is. So if they do collab with me, um, I like to do, I, I have my own style. So I want to do that, at least the figure design. And then usually what's nice about that is they can still have the the parts design uh, on their end. So for example, I work with Jaka uh, Bricks. I work with uh, Gold Bricks. I've worked with Rex, Diamond Custom Bricks, uh, uh, Brothers Figure. And each one of those have kind of their own resources. So it depends on what their setup is. If they have their own 3D part designer, then I will say, hey, you know, have them work on the, the custom parts and let's talk about what we'd like to include. I'll work on the design. And from that point, I it's just a loop, a feedback loop that we'll do each other's designs. We'll give feedback and what they'd like to see and what I'd like to see. And there's a harmonious middle ground there somewhere that we, we find that uh, usually we're both happy with how the fig looks at some point. And then at that point, at least nowadays, uh, they would put it up for sale. And all I would say is that, you know, I helped design it, you know, like that. <laughs> And then uh, depending again, how the setup is uh, going forward for the most part, though, I I'm working all with my just just to keep everything. What's the word I'm looking for? Coherent from one print to the next to the next. Uh, I want to make sure that all of those have kind of the same quality and the same kind of process to go through. So it's just easier for me to control that way. Um, mm -hmm. everything goes through my production, but in, in the past, you know, like BF would go to theirs or by, when I say BF brothers figure would go to theirs, Jocko would go to theirs and Rex would go to his, you know? And so now all of them go, if they design with me, they agree that, you know, I'll go to my production, I'll get a quote for it and then they sell it. And then I handle all the, the end things. I'll show them, you know, how the, you know, how things are going as it progresses and then they'll send it there or I'll send it to them when it's done. And then they package it up, you know, put all the things out and then they'll advertise it on their page and things. So at this point now I get to just have due to my, you know, the circumstances of all the things going on around me and the fact that it just got the website got too big for the most part, that's all I'm kind of working on. So I can kind of do more of the fun stuff that is my niche so, which is designing, producing and, and making sure the figs are a certain quality. So you're saying after this initial run of, things going on and things get consolidated back to your production, you will be the person to yell at when something's delayed. That's what you're telling me. Yes. Yeah. But there is. <laughs> um, and the nice thing is sometimes we can kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Grease the wheels a little bit when it comes to some projects. So for example, um, I knew that, you know, Jocka's production had jumped up. So I wanted to make sure that we can kind of keep up with that same speed. So we kind of, we uh, found a way to kind of increase our, our speed by the time we work together so that I can kind of get a three to four month spin on as long as there's not a lot of parts involved. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to keep that up with all the other things, but you know, the problem is I'm such a picky, you know, person when it comes to the colors being right and all these things that sometimes it has to go, you know, like imagine like a conveyor belt, all these projects are on a conveyor belt and I pick the one up on the front of the line. And if it's good, it goes right back in the conveyor belt and keeps going and it's done quick. Um, very rarely. <laughs> Sometimes it'll be picked out of the line and there's something that needs to be changed and then it has to go either in the middle of the line or all the way to the end, depending on what it is that's getting changed. So that's the problem is why something doesn't take four months. You know, if it's, it's straightforward. If the final product speaks for itself and you're, you've been consistent, I can't think personally, I don't feel you might be able to correct me on this. I can only think of one instance where I've seen an issue with a fig of yours 
and it wasn't an issue. It was somehow just got thrown back into the box. And that's what I'm referring to as the, um, the Captain Marvel helmet. That's oh, the only yeah, yeah. thing I can think of, but you corrected that and just somehow the old helmets were still floating out there. Well, yeah, there's always an issue, you know, and the funny thing is I won't find that issue. A lot of times it's not big enough to notice, um, you know, like over, you know, if it's anything over 10, I'll notice it usually because I have our production looks over it and usually does, the distributor does like a second job. And sometimes like with gold bricks, they'll do a third job. Whereas if I used to ship it out, I was like the last line of defense and I could see most of them, but they do a really good job of looking at that. But however, there's, you know, five or six, sometimes I get through of a certain defect um, that I don't notice until people tell me about it, you know? Mm. Um, and sometimes there's little microscopic things we can't see. Cause you know, nowadays with, you know, like you guys being photographers um, and you see things in such high def that sometimes we can't quite see it. So it might be something like even like a, uh, like on a, like most of the time it's a helmet issue. Like, and like uh, if something's not fitting right or something and we've, we've corrected all those things, but that's, it's so tough when you're talking about uh, how fast, things can cool or not when there are parts that are injection molded, you know, the, just the little tiny variants, you know, can make the difference of how it sits on the helmet. And in that case for the Captain Marvel one, luckily it was a large enough number that we can kind of see that they stuck. And so we were able to replace those, but yeah, it's, it's difficult when it's not a large enough number. Sometimes you, you miss them, but when they are, and the funny thing is you think it works when you have it in your hand and then all of a sudden it goes and it sits in like a cold packaging and then it comes right. and then it changes its dimensions and people don't understand that that does have an effect on the part itself. It's one of those things that you learn from every single time you do one. There's always some mistake that the next time you will make sure that you don't make that. I always tell my kids, I want you to make mistakes. Just don't make them twice or on purpose the second or third time, you know, like. Right. You should learn from your mistakes, right? So that's what I try to do too. So if we make a mistake, it's one of those things where I make a note of it. And if it's a big enough thing that we need to look at how we're doing things, we might change structurally how that happens, you know, like how we mold, how we check the molds, how we see, you know, what is, you know, a throwaway urn versus what can be shipped and all those kind of things. And sometimes you have to tweak that. And it's just a learning process. I mean, I've been doing this for almost 10 years. No. Yeah, almost 10, ten years about August time based on that comment I uh, I showed you earlier. Yes, yeah, I just yeah. saw that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Someone told me about that. I had to look back on Flickr. I was like, oh man, I'm almost at the ten year mark, so I got to plan something juicy. Yeah, you make a suggestion. Give oh, Skit his girl girl. Ten year anniversary. Give Skit his squirrel girl. Yeah. Oh my God. Skit, he needs a squirrel girl. If he you doesn't. like to do that, the only other solution uh, we can come up with is a Spidey fig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be in you guys' wheelhouse at all. <laughs> um, yeah, and my house. my I'm a Spidey nerd too, so yeah, I hear you. Yeah, Squirrel Girl would probably be, have to be on their high. I, I, I owe them that much, you know? But yeah, and so 10 years of doing this, you make tons of mistakes over the years, and I've... Even now, I'm still we're still making mistakes with production, you know, because there's always new printers, there's always new production crews that are coming in. It's not like I've had the same crew for ten years. So, just I was say, Captain Marvel was early as well, wasn't it? Quite early on into your sort of uh, jump into custom parts. Yeah, it was yeah. probably my first year, year and a half, maybe. Yeah, it was one of those first ones that, yeah, we were still kind of getting the groove on that. You know, like people think you just hit the ground running and you don't, you know, it's, it's, there's always things that stick that don't work that you think would be just fine. And then you learn from that and that Captain Marvel one. And there's also Captain America helmet things that we had issues with. Um, oh, the eye alignment was a bit low, wasn't it? I think. 
Yeah, and that was on the first, mm-hmm. second one or first one. Yeah, first one I think it was. And then there was. Uh, uh, no, it was it was the second. Yeah, it was the was second, it the second one. Yeah. one? Yeah, it, it was a more more recent one. I was on because, like Brett said, it's very uncommon for there to be issues with your with your figs. You know, you really do yes. pay attention. But yeah, they, 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 it, it wasn't all of them. I think you hard caught it, if I remember, and some had still managed to sneak through. Yes. Some of the run hard, so then sort of had to backtrack and replace them. But you have oh. replacement parts ready because they've been missed or something. Yes. So, you know, the funny thing was, uh, so my distributor, I just, so the other thing is working with a distributor was a new thing that probably started maybe four years ago, something like that, to make things easier. Because I realized, you know, here I am in the US and most of my resellers are overseas. They're either, well, all of them are, you know, there's the UK, there's uh, Taiwan, there's Hong Kong. All So they, they're all, they're mostly over in Asia. So I found someone that can distribute for me in Asia. And once we did that, we're, uh, there's still, you know, some kinks that we had to get through. One of them was, you know, if we had to replace the head prints, which was what we did for that run, they didn't switch them out all the way. Like they didn't organize it well enough to see which one was the ones I approved and which ones were the ones I didn't approve of. And so some of the ones that were too small, like the head was too small. You can see like the mouth was too high and stuff. And I saw a couple of them in the wild. I was like, son of a, why did you do that? <laughs> and so I was like, email. I was like, you know, one of these slipped through. And all of a sudden, nope, two of them, nope, 10 of them. Did we not need to have a word. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah. So next time, let's be a little bit more judicious about how we separate those. So yeah, it's it's always a learning curve. And if you are if you go into business of any type, there's going to be lots of learning curves. And you just have to roll with the punches and do the best you can, you know. Absolutely. As long as you're honest with the customers and talk as much as you can, as, as a background in customer service, I always say you got to be honest with them. And, and whenever you make a mistake, take it on the chin. You know, don't be blaming other people. Don't shirk it. Always say that it's, you know, this is what it is and just move forward. And it, sometimes customers aren't going to accept that. You can't, I, I, I always tell my kids, you can only deal with your own behavior. You can't control the behaviors of others. So you can always try to use your best to get them on your side or to understand your point of view. And that's all there is to, you can do, you know, so. Mm-hmm. So regarding to what you're talking about, getting into involved with parts and, and the complexities involved with that, there's been, since COVID, there's been a reviewed renewed interest in light, you know, purchases or add-ons. Jen calls oh, them yeah, plus yeah. upgrades. You recently released the Spider-Man 2 upgrade pack a little bit early. I understand. Was, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, talk about... Uh, uh, like, you know, you've yeah. got your integrated Spidey Arms pack. The Captain America upgrade pack is coming. Yeah. Um, Feelings, Firestar, GBs with with weapons, all these brands are are catching on these uh, with these one off you know accessories. Do you feel this is something we should expect more in the future? And what would you say to those who think it, they see it as nothing more than a cash grab? Well, here's the thing: is I think some people always get like they have their their kind of interpretation of an, of a thing that they see that comes out. Most of the time on our side, we want to catch as many, you know, as a business person, you want to catch as many customers as you can, obviously, but you also want to make sure it's a good quality thing. So one of the things that I have a thing being that I've been here since, you know, I remember Phil talking on one of the last uh, episodes about, you know, the fact that back in the old days when we were in Flickr, you know, you could get a figure for like 40 bucks and it was pretty dang good, you know, Christo and with uh, Eclipse Graphics, that was, you know, um, and even minifigs for you, you were saying, I remember them too. And even my early figs were pretty cheap, you know, because we didn't have custom parts. We just used all Legos and just printed on them. And so that was, a, you know, at the time, you know, you could reach a lot more people. And then when we started adding custom parts and other groups started too, that just raises the price, aka you're losing a lot of customers that loved you in the beginning or liked can only be, you know, 
liking it from a distance and not actually purchasing because it's out of their wallet power, you know. Um, and you want I want to include as many people as I can in the love of this custom group that we have, you know, this community. You know, as an AFOL, it's fun to get uh, no people involved. And so I think this light movement is great. Uh, you're involving people that can, like, for example, I think one of the best emails I've ever gotten from a customer or a comment even, both of them are comment and a customer email, were saying how they loved the fact that for the first time they were able, they've been watching me for a couple of years and never were able to buy it. But when I had that accessory pack for the uh, uh, Arachnid, mm-hmm. how excited they were that they could finally have a Phoenix Customs product because they could afford it. And that to me is more what I'm, I want to get as many people that can have a, a chance to get these. So whenever I see something, you know, go over a hundred dollars, you know, I really, I, to me, I'm the first thing I'm like, ah, oh, crap, is there a way we can get this to a hundred dollars or less, you know, or even, you know, somewhere in 80, you know, that's what we, that's our sweet spot is somewhere less than $80, but it's so hard with the rising prices of co- and the cost of things to make these, especially since we're dealing with such low numbers, you know, like it's not like we're Lego making 10,000 parts or whatever. And so cost of parts is a lot harder. But anyway, I diverge. The biggest thing is <clears throat> these things, you know, doing for me personally, like you'll even see it with this next release coming up based on a certain show that's going on right now. There's there's going to be different options for people. And I think that allows more customers to enjoy this and it's not a cash grab. There's not, you know, we're not, I'm I'm not doing this for making money. If I was, I would be really struggling. My kids would hate me. So luckily that's not, you know, I'm not making, this is not a bread and butter thing for me. It's a, it's a passion side that I do as a, a hobby, you know, that just. As it is for business. most brand operators. And a lot of folks don't recognize that. They don't realize that Rex has a full-time job and. Right. You know, Chris LCM has a full-time job. And, I was going to say the yeah. same thing earlier as well. You know, a lot of people don't appreciate that it is a side hustle necessarily or a hobby even for a lot. And everyone is just a human being just trying to enjoy themselves and have fun, you know? They're just, they're just trying to sell enough to afford to make the next one. And that's yeah. The, yeah. yeah, and I think this is a tricky dance, you know, is the fact that you have, you know, for me, a long time ago, I don't re- even remember what year it was. I had to make a decision because I always had the principle I wanted to make the best figures at the best price for the best, at the best quality, right? And I always wanted to make it available to as many people as possible. Um, one of the things that was really disappointing, uh, I was a huge Crystal fan, was when they started limiting it and then having figures over $100 at the time, which mm-hmm. was, it was such a big difference maker that all of a sudden I was like, I have to pay $100 for these? Oh my God. And I started thinking, you know what? I need to make figures that people can afford that are easier. And then obviously now with the competition and the fact that we have so many good brands making custom parts with theirs and, and lots of them, you know, if you don't offer the elite figure, you know, people might not grab onto your brand anymore. So I'm kind of in this in middle ground where you have to appease a group that can't afford it, but you also, you want to get the collectors that want everything in that figure or else it's not good enough, you know? And then there's also the fact that I think when people, when they look at uh, figures, they, they want to have a certain... Oh, what's the way Aesthetic. I want Yeah. Well, either way, the way the point I'm trying to make is that you, you um, when you have these kind of, when figures went over $100, that was a big deal, you know? And so I don't, I think it's better to offer options for people, you know, when they're getting into this, I want them to love, this is, a, a, you know, Phil, I know you, you got into this for the love of it to, you know, maybe for, because it's a fun hobby. Brett, I know you got into it for, you know, uh, you, I think in your last uh, podcast, you're talking about that it's a little bit of escapism. You can kind of get into this world of collecting and 
photo uh, photography you know we mm -hmm. all have our we have different ways of coming into this and it's an, an enjoyable thing outside of you know our, um, our regular you know day-to-day -day job and life but some people there's another group that looks at this as a way to earn money you know that this is ever mm -hmm. since i think it was a couple three years ago an article or two years ago maybe that this article came out about that lego was one of the best investments you could do and all of a sudden i saw tons of people getting into lego and buying them but not because they wanted to get it out and build it with their kids because they wanted to put it in a shelf shrink wrapped and sell in about four years or in the case of customs you know they'll they'll only buy a figure if there was less than 100 because then the resale value is better and that's not the way i've ever approached this this uh customs uh, some are so business. bold they don't care about the quantity made they just know the brand attached to it and it's funny you bring this up because we've had this conversation in our group chat long many times and it was not only um, the combination of that article which I, I remember reading as well but then when COVID hit and everyone was on lockdown a lot of folks had a hit in their income and were looking for a way to you know pay bills fast and then on top of that i remember citizen brick did their president Zelensky fig and that oh, yeah, uh, yeah. worldwide attention and the next thing you know what we were buying for a hundred dollars as a way of raising funds was being flipped for like over a thousand dollars. Yes, uh, yep. the same day, and then the at the same time there was a scandal that broke out with the Star Wars Lego folks about. I guess uh, Phil, you might have been have can give me a better backstory. Boba Fett fig, I think it was something that was one of the well, big ones, wasn't it? That went up in price massively. Well, they also they were like apparently there was a I don't know if this is all true or not, but allegedly big time YouTubers were. Um, inflating the prices inflating yeah. the prices by saying this is going to be worth a lot one day and then that was after they buy up all the stock to artificially free uh, inflate that that value and then sell them off so all this stuff was happening literally within the within the same year and now with and we're getting way off subject here but <laughs> I, now, I this, this is a personal personal thing with me I've, I've talked about this a lot now some of the star wars designers that usually just design are crossing over into with custom brand makers getting their stuff produced. Well, but a lot of that mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. has led over into the custom market. So, and then Christo started pushing more star Wars stuff. So then they started grabbing the start, the Christo stuff. So now you're seeing Christo figs that probably would have sold for $200 in second hand are now going for like seven, eight, $900. Uh, a buddy of mine sold an LCM bagels Vader for three fifty, And he was told he was crazy. He could have gone to the discord and sold it for 700. It's, it's just crazy. insane. And it's, it's getting like that the second they drop as well. As soon as these figs are, are, are being delivered to people, they're already that crazy price. It, it is just nuts, isn't it? Second it goes live on Citizen Brick's website, they're on eBay. They haven't even been shipped out yet. And they're still available on the Citizen Brick website. Yeah, I, I love seeing that. $150 <laughs> and you can get it for $25 right now on the site. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you look at the these, these, but you look at these eBay sellers, and a lot of them you can tell they're not custom collectors. They're just, you know, those entrepreneurs looking for the next storage wars, easy, quick fix, you know, to get that money. <laughs> so that's kind of what you're looking at is a lot of those people coming into this, seeing those articles that you can make money on Lego, but, you know, losing sight that this is actually uh, a hobby for a lot of people that they try to enjoy it. They try to get these figures. And I'm not, I also want to just say too, you know, I, the people that do make them for, you know, a hundred figures or less or whatever, and a lot of times it's that's their production capacity or you know whatever so i don't want to slate that ever um if that's what they uh work at but the people that put it down at low levels just to you know get a certain value in the aftermarket for you know i don't think there's i don't see any collectors that or sellers that do that anymore but for a time period there was and i was really disappointed to see that because i know a lot of people 
you know, we were talking, one of your, your last episode was on FOMO, you know, that was happening big time with whenever that would happen, that these little secret drops would happen and half of them or all of them would be gone by the time it opens. And if you weren't there in the first three minutes, it'd be gone. And I always felt, and I was one of them that, that happened all the time, you know, as a collector, I'd get on there and go, dang it, I got to use my network to see if I can find one now and scrounge one. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up, the, those instances, because and we brought, talked about Squirrel Girl earlier. That was an instance of a, of a fig that was sold out before it even was made public. Yeah, and I I had something similar happen with one of my collabs as well, and we talked about it right away. And I was well, like, you know, I'm, I'm about to go into that right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll segue for so, it. Let's talk about Agatha. Okay, no, this one. So pre-orders have always been, uh, you know, a source of contention, uh, and it's actually been the subject of a, it's going to be a subject of a future episode. But what, yeah, when your collab Agatha Hardness, Agatha Harkness, excuse me, uh, with Diamond came out. It was a bit of a mess because a lot of the connected collectors, guilty parties in this room. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we bought out stock before the public release, and it re- actually resulted in an unprecedented act of doing a reprint of what was once considered a limited number of fig. And this was rectified, if I recall. Diamond did another run with just a non-numbered carded fig. Yes. But I, other than that, it was identical. Yes. And and I feel that how should I put this? There was a lot of of, of um, the sky is falling talk when this happened. The idea that we would reprint a limited fig because there are there are collectors that collect for this being a hobby and escapism. There are those that collect not to flip it, but just to know they own something of value. And they're right. worried about that limited edition. Because let's be honest, the cards are just cards. If the figs are all the same, you would never know what number one is, what number 200 is. Exactly. Yep. So... That's why I, w- I was making the argument for a while. Perhaps Agatha could have been re-released with like, you know, just one mag- magic effect or no magic effects or something, or just one facial expression to kind of, you know. But but at the same time, I just, we, you and I had a conversation about it. I understood where you're coming from. You want to get your product as many as front of many people as possible to enjoy it, and just for the love of, of the game, right? Yeah, and I think uh, so f- to kind of go on like the the thinking process that i learned from with that one was to know the plans of the person that you're working with and how it's going to be released as i i don't think dcb number one anticipated and dcb is diamond custom bricks for the newbies out there um they were you know they had a certain expectation too that was actually trumped by the demand and they had no idea that it was going to be that big when it came out and i don't think i did either at the same time, we both had different ideas of what the total numbers were, and I don't think that we were on the same page for that. But we did right away see eye to eye that you know there was a mistake made that way. And also, the way it was released was not, I believe, wasn't there something, I want to say, and this is me finding out secondhand because I had no idea, was uh, that a lot of them were sold even, like you said, wasn't it before they even went on the website? Yeah, that's that's something that happens. I mean, in any hobby, any collectible hobby, you have your different tiers, if you should call it. Yes. You yep. got you got your new folks that are just trying to figure out where the heck do I get these things. You have folks that go directly to just through websites and are quickly hitting refresh on their keyboard, hoping to, to land one. You have the folks that work out their special arrangements with resellers that they've worked with for years. Yep. You've got some folks that can go straight to the brand and say, hook me up. There is an argument to have the same that's unfair. Because everyone should have a fair shot at getting an item. If you have the money, you should be able to spend it as you see wish, as you wish. But there's also the argument to say, 
well, understand that these people have been collecting for years or been loyal customers for years. And some of these resellers or brands wouldn't be around if it wasn't for the support of this cadre of longtime collectors. And they want to feel up, they feel obligated to help, you know, pay that back in kind. My, my, my problem is, you know, like with, with squirrel girl, which again, also a diamond custom fig boys, they they can't get a break. Um, (laughs) With, with squirrel girl, that was kind of revealed on the back channels and that's when it got scooped up with Agatha. The problem is that was announced publicly and then got scooped up privately. That's what I do not endorse at all. If you put it out there publicly, you should probably coordinate with your reseller saying, Hey, get this on the DL and, or don't, please don't take orders yet. This is when it's going to go live. Yep. But you can't always, you can't always prevent that. But if, if there's going to be some sort of like exclusive hidden, this happens, this happens not in just superheroes. This happens with Citizen Brick and others. There's always these exclusive, you know, or there's like the Taiwanese expo figs that come out that you can only do get. Do they still do that, person. by the way? I was wondering about that. Yeah. The last, the last one was, the last one was canceled because of COVID. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah and actually the figure that was going to be for that one was again, Diamond Custom Bricks. <laughs> <laughs> it was there, Jessica Drew Spider-Woman. Oh, okay. And so I had gotten a copy the ways that I get things and eventually they decided okay the, the, cons, the conference isn't going to happen COVID whatever and then they made a public release of it yep. so everyone can get one which I thought I think, was the best way to go and I think with you and I I appreciate all those different um, I, I understand too talking with resellers that have you know their, their um, you know they, they build a community of supporters that trust that they have, you know, exclusive access to get all these things first and they deserve that, you know, and I completely understand. I think the problem with, with the Agatha thing, I think comes with the disconnect between, you know, the, my approach to has always been, you know, to make as many figs as demand dictates. And I found a difference, uh, you know, I used to, I rem- I don't know if you guys were collecting them, but back when I did, you know, the Batman and ca- the first Captain America I did, you know, I, mm-hmm. I would do a run and then they'd sell out and then people were like, oh, I still, and I'd, so I just put another run out there. I was like, hey, let's keep going until people are happy, you know, and that was normal. That was okay. And then all of a sudden, a year or two later, then that wasn't okay anymore. You know, like they're like, hey, I thought this was limited and blah, blah. And so then I had to have a discussion with my resellers and come to terms of like, how do I make collectors happy while at the same time keeping my business approach to uh, making figures kind of a happy marriage. So where, you know, there things are limited to a certain range, but at the same time meeting as many, as much demand as possible. And that's where, you know, having an open period of pre-sales for a certain determined time and whoever wants to buy it can. And at that point, that's the limit. Nobody else can get it after that point. And it's worked out pretty well. And so the, the nice thing is if, if someone decides when they see it, you got two weeks or so to look at it and decide whether you want it or not. And if you don't, then you can move on. And if you didn't, and you decide later, you can try to get it in the secondhand market, but at least you had that opportunity, you know? And that's I just think the it, that I, it does I'm meet okay it in the middle. With. I think it does make it fair. Yeah. And it's so at the, at the, at, you know, and to be honest, all the different numbers that have been, that come in are unique to the, that product. And so it's limited. You're not going to get uh, any more. It's not going to be reprinted. It's never going to be made again. If it is, it's going to be completely redesigned from head to foot. Um, and so I think that way collectors can be happy with that, knowing, you know, that this is going to be limited that way. They'll never have that product made again. And so that's been my happy medium that I found that I can still 
meet as many demand as, as much demand as I can while at the same time you know, making collectors know that that is limited that way. That is that is the biggest upside to pre-orders, though. You know, everyone seems to be down on pre-orders these days. It's becoming more and more common. But, I mean, that is great, isn't it? That makes it, like you said, it makes everyone happy at the end of the day, really, doesn't it? When you think about it, you know, from a from a perspective of demand. Right. Very... Everybody likes the system until the system doesn't work for them. Doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Adam, so, like, certain figures become, like, benchmarks in the pricing scheme of the secondhand market. And for some reason, it's always your fix. Uh-oh, so God. your Endgame Thor became the first like real four hundred dollar aftermarket fig. Uh, I'd say that I would say Crystal still has me pretty, pretty knocked down. I yeah, think his figure still. Crystal's a bit of an exception, though. He's he's yeah, not uh, he's in the community over. in the same way. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I suppose in that way. Yes. Yeah, and then the next benchmark fig was your Ragnarok Thor. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> Is that is that see I don't know the second hand market oh. that well. I'm always like I remember I was uh I know a Ragnarok Ford that went for six hundred dollars. Oh wow, are you serious? Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> I would yeah, say like now being Adam, you never miss a PCB fig. <laughs> I, I, I say now you're probably floating at about 350 for it. Okay. The demand's wow. gone down, you know, and then brothers came out with their version, which then of course you know saturates the market a little bit, but it's know, crazy. It's, it's so funny. But, that's such a foreign thing to me, the, the secondhand market and what does fair price and all that. Cause I, I remember uh, just a, f- a month or two ago, I had a friend of mine, um, a really close friend that I, I would always give one of my figures t- to him that I made. Cause he was also one that kind of supported me in the beginning to say, Hey, you can do this, you know, go and try this thing and see if it works. So just to thank him, I, I would always give him a figure and he kind of, his kids got out of Lego age and he doesn't really look at him. So he's like, you know what? I might as well, you know, sell these, see if I can get some, you know, maybe get a, a trip out of it or something, you know, maybe I don't think he understood how much each one of these was. I didn't either. So I remember asking, I don't know, I think it was mini Legogo just to help me uh, sell these and just say, Hey, you know, they're all taken well care of. They're all in their cases, blah, blah, blah. You figure out the prices. I don't know how, what, how much these go for. Oh, yeah, Mini's great. I like, he sold a few flicks for me as well. Yeah. And so is Rex. They do good jobs uh, selling those on their second end market. So I just was like, I'd go to mini Legogo because he wasn't as busy at the time. I think he just kind of started I, I hadn't really known him at that point as much. But so he did that and he came back with the prices like, oh my God, some of these are that much. And, <laughs> and I, I remember telling my friend what these sold for. And he's like, man, you got me more than one trip. That's incredible. Like these are worth that much. I was like, I didn't have a clue. So, all right. Well, speaking of inflated prices and whatnot, Star Wars has really taken a solid hold within the custom fig community. And you yourself have tackled Star Wars back when you started and mostly recently with your Mandalorian line. Mm-hmm. Do you feel this is going to grow into a new permanent branch of figs to explore or are you simply just focusing on the characters that appeal to you? It's always, are you talking about for me personally or the market yeah. in general? Yeah, for, for me, you. for, for you. me personally, it's, I'm, I'm an 80s kid. I grew up with OT to the bone baby. Um, so the original trilogy and the Star Wars, that, branch was all that that um theme was always very like true to my heart from the 80s like it just that's something i grew up uh, loving you know as i grew up getting all the minifigure or not minifigures action figures growing up and then i remember what got me the funny thing is what got me back in the hobby again uh mike i remember going through a target as this happens with every dad i'm sure now i was going through target and i just was going i kind of peered down the lego aisle and i saw there was a darth vader minifigure and i was like are you freaking kidding me they have a darth vader lego figure so i scooted my way down there and i remember my wife coming to get me like come on we gotta go you're in a toy aisle i was like i know i know just give me a minute 
And so I'd look at this thing going like, this is amazing. Star Wars and Lego, two things I loved as a kid together. And so that got me back into kind of interested in Lego again and kind of bringing my daughter down that aisle to see if she liked Lego. And sure enough, she did. And then next thing you know, we're building things together again as a, me as a 28 year, 29 year old and me being back and, you know, getting out of the dark ages as we call it now in the community, you know, that's what got me back. And so, yeah, I've always had that connection to uh, that theme and um, I still collect the Lego sets that are appealing. Like, especially, you know, I, I just got the Mando, uh, the fighter one that he has in the latest two seasons. I know some people are Star Wars fans. Like, you don't know the name of it? It's, it's a Naboo Star. Oh, the Naboo fighter, mm-hmm. is it? Exactly. Yeah. And I got, I got that la- late last year, you know? And so, I mean, I, I still get those. And so as a, in terms of custom minifigures, it's always appealed to me. But for me, I've always, I'm not really, I like, I appreciate the prequels, but I'm not really a prequels guy myself, except for maybe Revenge of the Sith, you know, that grabbed me in certain ways because of the transition into the old, the original trilogy. So there are a few characters from there that appeal to me, but yeah, I I'm always, it's always for me, I have to be engaged enough to want to go to that vector program and start from scratch and create something for the next two weeks or three weeks to three months, spending a lot of time day in and day out, you know, looking at that design. And, and if it's not something that truly appeals to me too, not just the customers, then it's a waste of my time. So everything that you see that I make, I'm 100% you know, involved and engaged in. So it's got to be something I love. Otherwise, in terms of a designer in me, I it's it's just, it's like going, you know, it's like slave labor. I just wouldn't It'll show it. in the design if you don't love it. Exactly. And, and I won't put my heart and soul into it like I would almost all the designs I've done, you know? So I've had that happen before where, you know, I'll say, I'll make a, you know, a compromise on a figure, maybe with a collab and I'll say, yeah, let's try that. You know, I'm kind of interested and I'll get into it and I'll just, I'll feel so bad because after a week and a half, I'll just be like, I just can't get this. This isn't feeling like I, this isn't my, my vibe, you know? So maybe pass it on to someone else and see, you know, good luck with it. But I just, I I have to be engaged. And for the most part, Star Wars does that for me. So it's something that I can engage in and it's something I look forward to doing, you know, day in and day out. If it's, Especially these, I'm a huge Mando fan, if you haven't guessed. Love <laughs> that series. So most of those things have appealed to me in some way or another. So yeah, it's it's I think for me personally, you'll see bits and pieces of quite a bit this year, especially. Uh going forward, who knows what term in terms of uh, percentage of what comes out or not. I think it's just what's engaging me at the time, you know, and what's and if it's if it's concurrent with the with the wants of collectors like you guys are into, you know. Um, oh no! I already made it clear. I, yeah, I can't afford that rabbit hole. I forgot. I that's right. You, you, yeah, you've made the decision. Although, Star Wars yeah, is although, not. You awesome, know, I might. Right? I'll, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I might because I do. I do enjoy the Mando show. I might grab your view too, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Since, you know, it goes back to the whole FOMO brand loyalty thing. You know, want to. You know, <laughs> on that rabbit hole. It's Adam's fault because of his Mando figure. <laughs> yeah, you can put the blame on me. I'm sorry. I just. Yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> But I, I completely understand because I mean it's and we when you're talking about FOMO be the last episode I just uh, I was thinking too I mean I missed out I actually you know I usually can find my way into the system if I miss one the day it's dropped or something but there's several Star Wars ones I missed uh, last year that were really good like Bagels slash LCM Legend C Mock version of Ahsoka from like the Rebels series which I wasn't really into Rebels but the way the figure turned out was just beautiful and I was like oh damn I missed that one so I've. I had that, you know, definitely for that figure. And, but it's, 
I think the nice thing is there's now appears, you know, at least three brands, you know, uh, me, Bagel slash LCM and Jaka that are all kind of interested in that oh, realm. Tom Mountain had did a did a Vader as well. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah, yeah. And, and, well and I want to say Lifebrick has teased something in the past. I can't remember. And the nice thing is too, there's even uh, you know, there's even like those people that like the old school look of like the Star Wars figures, like oh, the ones that are from like the nineties and stuff. Yeah. Oh, like and, the uh, SJ Bricks and that sort of thing, is it as well? They're doing sort of classic looking figs. Yeah, and I've seen yeah, those and, pop up and here back. and there. Yeah. And there's so there's even so for people that are fans of that there's so there's a nice variety at least. I always think that that's a good thing because then someone's you know might have something on a figure that they're not quite in, and also this other brand doesn't. They're like that's what I was talking about, you know. So I think variety is the spice of life. So whenever there's uh, uh, people always go, oh, did you see they're releasing it? I guess you're screwed. I was like, I am. Why am I? You know, it's that's not how that works. You know, we all have different <laughs> approaches. We all have different likes and dislikes when it comes to figure parts and things that we do. So I think that's a good thing. Do I sell as much as someone else or vice versa? Maybe not, but at the very least we can translate, you know, what we're, what we see as being a good figure out to the public and they can kind of decide through, you know, it gives them variety of something to look into. And sometimes I've even noticed, you know, even myself being guilty of this is that, you know, you'll see it in the beginning as one thing, and then it goes out to the community and people take pictures and then it just grows on them. And then you're like, you know what? I got to have that. And that happens a lot. So, I mean, it's good to have variety out there so that, you know, maybe up front it wasn't what you were wanting, but later on, yeah, maybe it was. So uh, that's, that reminds me of what Phil said uh, last episode. He blamed Marcus and I for inducing FOMO. <laughs> with our photos. Yeah. It's so true. You guys blame a lot of people for things on these podcasts. So, um, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Yeah. Well, you can just transfer your, your guilt, Phil, right? To these guys, right? To, that way you feel a little <laughs> better. I transfer my money to you. I may as well do that directly. Yeah, I transfer my guilt to them. So, why not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, it's funny you bring that up because it about you missing out on one because I was surprised to learn when we, through our talks that. I would imagine, I would have hoped that as a high-profile brand creator, you would have some sort of red line where you can just call up LifeBrick and say, hey, can I get one of those? But no, you're just a, another customer. I'm writing this down right on a pad of paper right now because I keep forgetting. You gave me this idea, what was it, like a year you ago? You need a brand Illuminati. I know, I need to have yeah. like, like, why wouldn't I use this? Like, I've talked to LifeBricks, I've talked to these guys. Why wouldn't we do that? You know, that's something... And I will say at this point, I do have with another brand that we kind of have like a trade system that we're like, oh, you like that one? I'll make this one. You know, so I just think I need to make that bigger. So that way, you know, we don't miss out on those things. And I get and why that wouldn't I use that, right? Yeah. And well, and then, you, but, you know, there's, a, there's always this talk about why don't you guys coordinate, you know, your releases? Because I think it was, was it the John Walker set that you and Jocka came out with in like the same 12 hours? Right, right. But well, well, yeah, I, something I, like that. I DM'd you. I'm like, did you guys plan this? Or you guys, <laughs> you're like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Similarly, now with the Mando as well. Oh God, yeah, I know. It's one of those things. It, the funny thing is, these things take months to put together. So the funny thing is, timing is always one of those weird things that when it does happen like that, you're just like, well, how about that? Isn't that funny? You know? And I even, ch- I, I mean, I collab with these guys uh, a lot of times. So we won't know it. And we're like, oh, dude, I didn't know that was happening because we don't talk so you, about our other releases. That's why you, you know? guys should have some sort of group chat or something where you can rib each other saying, hey, it's me versus you. Let's do it. You know, and yeah. just have some fun If we it. knew that, then we would be like, for me, that would be crippling because if I knew that, like, like for example, uh, what was one of them? For example, like, you know, we, I did that 2016 followers uh, contest. And one of the ones that was on that was Daredevil, right? 
<laughs> and then literally like a month later, Life Bricks, who I, I love as a, a, a collector, you know, they, they and they're such a great design brand and stuff. Uh, when they made theirs, I was like, I really have to take my time with this, you know, because they did such a great job with it. So I'm not in any rush to make mine. So it's, I want to make sure it's great. So, you, can, you know, be on that same kind of. Uh, I was going to say that throughout our relationship, you know, through casual talk or pictures, you've shared designs or plans for future figs that have been on the back burner for some time. What would cause a design to be pushed further back in the queue? And in general, how many figs would you say fit in this category? Ooh, good question. Well, here's the thing is I, I'm kind of a, a nitpicker. For some people, not nitpicky enough, but I, I believe I'm pretty nitpicky about certain things. The way I've always approached it, and whenever someone asks me, you know, if I'm going to go into design, you know, like, what should I do? What's the thing? I, I always say, well, don't be quick about your design. Don't just get it done. And then when it's done, say, ah, I'm ready to go. You got to let something sit. And so for me, if I let it sit, you know, usually a week or two, I'll see some things to change. And so the problem is if I keep letting it sit, sometimes I'll see so many things that I keep changing it. And then it's not as good as it was first time, sometimes or the second time. So that can be some of the issues. Sometimes it has to do with that, you know, there's only so many custom part designers that are, you know, in the realm that we work in. And so like the one I work with, and then there's also luckily enough, one that is at the production uh, facility I work with. And so I can kind of bounce it off, you know, and have two different uh, designers that I work with on that. But then the collaborators that I work with, they have their designers. And so it all kind of depends on if how quickly they can get the design to a point where I'm happy with it too, where it looks the way I want it to look. And some things, literally they can go design it, comes back and it's way better than I ever imagined, then we're good. But sometimes there's little things that, that's just something about the look of it has to look a certain way in order to be the way I want it. And so it's just a lot of back and forth. And if it was, you know, a guy that was literally like in my, you know, city and we saw each other every day, that'd be one thing. But this is people that, you know, I have a designer that works in Europe. I have a designer that works in Asia, you know, and some of the collaborators I work with work down in Australia. Australia. So it's kind of, you know, you don't, and they have their own jobs on top of it. That this is a, another side gig kind of thing. So, to get something done quickly, you know, it's not like they work on this every hour of the day, every day. They work on it on the weekends. Some of them, some of them work on it only at nights when they get home from work. So it's it just depends. And so when something, and like I said, imagine a conveyor belt. You know, things are keep moving, and if something's close to done, then I can post it and put it out there for pre order. Or sometimes I have to wait for, you know, cost estimate has to be adjusted for certain things. And it's a whole bunch of things, but mostly it's me being a nitpicker, making sure something is as, as good as I want it to be, to, to be released. So does that ever backfire on you though? Cause you said you're a perfectionist. So do you ever get reach a point where you think, right, that's enough nitpicking now, or perhaps do you sort of push that design out to other people to, to get feedback on if you're not hundred percent sure? Or anything oh, like that? I, so I have, I want to say, I don't, well, let's just say I have some people that I have a, that I know have kind of a good design view of things when it comes to minifigures and they can see if there's something that needs working. And I always, even at the first iteration, I'll kind of bounce things back and forth with them and see what they think. And that's always a good, you should have people giving you feedback. If you don't, you're just going to be releasing something that might not be as good as it could be. So you should always do feedback and be open to people saying some, you know, stuff that might sound harsh, but it's good feedback to get that thing to the next level or to get it better. So I, I've gotten to a point once where I got stuck and I just couldn't find that look I was looking for. And I just moved on, you know, and then it's actually a good thing. Cause then when I 
you know, got either better at designing or got to a, like a different aspect of design that worked better for that figure. Then I reapproached it and I was like, Oh, and then I could release it. And that happened. Is that what happened with uh, infinity war cap? Because that, that had been on the docket forever. Mara so excited because i know she was asking for like years <laughs> oh so there's a couple of them that was one and i'm actually glad so the things they kind of work out nicely that way you think it's kind of like well we lost that one but it actually works out pretty nicely so for example the avengers cap had been in the pipeline for a long time and the helmet just never looked right because there's a certain it's not like the other cap hats it's ha- it, it has like a different look to it right and i just was never mm-hmm. happy with those things on the side of his ear how they had to look and then on top of it just how it sits on the head and mixes with the head underneath it had to look a certain way and i i actually dropped that one for a while and then went back to it with a, a, originally it was with my production design do the design of that one and then i went back to my own designer and had him tweak things of it and it was just a nice marriage that way because then we took the best of what worked with that designers and some of his ideas and then the thoughts I had on it, and it finally came around. And then my, I think, personally, my own design style improved enough to make it look better, too, that I was happier with it, so that I could release it in a way that I thought looked the way that I wanted it to at some point. So I think it does work out nicely sometimes, but there's other times, like, for example, uh, the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man, which everybody wanted, and I even wanted, you know, because I, I actually watched, what was it, like, uh, 20 something hours of somebody playing that game from each stage. And so I was like, Oh, I gotta make that figure. And I could never get it to look the right way. Still to this day, I'm, I'm not happy with, it. I look at that thing and people are always like, why didn't you make one? And I'm so, I wanted to, but I'm such a nitpicker. I never got to a point where I thought it was either, you know, different enough and cool enough and what I wanted to look like versus other brands that have released it. Even Lego had a really good one. So I just, there's, it kind of can be a trap, but if I have enough people bouncing ideas and working with enough creative people that sometimes you can luckily get to a point where I am like, that's how I wanted it to look. The biggest story I have on that one is Batman. It was the the Dark Knight one. It is my, one of my favorite movies of all time is the Dark Knight. And I wanted to make that Batman. And I remember when I first started designing, that's the first thing I went to was trying to design that thing. And that took forever. And then when I went to try to make a custom part, that also took so i just kept dropping it and getting it back up and dropping it and it took two and a half years to get to a point where i was happy with it to get it to pre-order so that's a long time of going back and forth you know other than the ps4 spider-man those are probably the two longest in in queue just design is it's a tough thing to get the look that you're looking for and and have it match kind of the in real life look of things it's just a tough marriage to get to that point so so basically your 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 queue is purely self-motivated it's not really influenced by any other brands so okay. that, like because like you've tackled almost every mcu sony versus spider-man uh, outfit so far but there's still a few gaps like garfield's homemade suit oh yeah and jim Jin just just <laughs> announced his coming out Oh so yeah. And the point just actually was, I was joking with him. I was like, you know what, you, you dirty dog, you got me before I could get there. And I was <laughs> yeah, like, so, you know, and, and the nice thing is though, he actually has a different approach to mine, which is great. So that way we, uh, so like I said, you know, different minds bring that spice that people will like, you know, different approaches. So that way, when I get to it, you know, I'm kind of in Mando mode right now and some other things. So the nice thing is he'll be able to get his sold and have nice purchases and all that. And then when I get to mine, eventually, 
you know, people that are more interested in my style and approach might like that. So it'll be, it'll be nice to kind of have I mean, those people like me. That's just going to buy both. <laughs> buy both. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's never, I never am rushed ever by another brand doing something. I actually, like I said, I love that there, uh, sometimes I look at them and I was like, oh man, you know, you set the bar high, dang it. Um, but at the same time, I also just love their different approaches. Like, you know, Jin has an approach that, you know, he has so many unique creative ideas for approaching something. So for example, his lizard is going to be completely different than the one I have designed, which is going to be nice. It's not so much the homemade spider. It's just his regular everyday look. And he's got his backpack and skateboard and things. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's nice to have different approaches that way. That way we, you know, I always just want to do it in my, you know, I have my approach. Sometimes they kind of overlap. I remember I was just about done designing my Iron Spidey and was thinking, you know, this is going to be ready to go in about two weeks. And then all of a sudden I saw he dropped his like sneak peek of his. And we both had <laughs> very similar ideas. Uh, we both had those gauntlets pieces and we both kind of had, you know, like uh, similar ideas in terms of some of the design, but his was a little bit different. So I was just, and I, I was like, you know, I think we might be releasing this at the same time. Let's do it so that we both can benefit. Why don't you release yours first? I can finish this other one I'm currently working on. And then I'll just release mine, like maybe a month or two later. And it worked out beautifully that way. You know, he could get his sold and there was no conflict that way. I think it works better if you just, you know, if I knew that with all the different brands, we could always work it out. So that way one person sells theirs and then I, you know, I can sell mine at a different time and I try to do that if I see it early enough. For example, uh, Jocka just sold their their version of Mando, which was great because then they came out early enough that I can still have enough time to get to to mine and have it separated enough. And I don't worry. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, first come is always, you know, they get the best. But I, I don't worry about it. It's not like that. You know, I just I'm glad that uh, we could have it separated enough so it's not competing at the same time. That's always no, I find that I find that collectors fall into several tiers. One is the one that just says I'm going to get every version of that character because I love the character. Uh-huh. There's going to be the ones that know that. Well, I know Adam's probably going to make that eventually, so I'll just wait for his because uh-huh. I like that aesthetic. I I really don't see how brand releases courting the same character tend to cannibalize the sales of another, unless you're an inexperienced collector that doesn't understand the styles. Of because you know, like say life bricks, you know, they've really leaned into heavily into accessories lately. Yeah. And I think the the only problem with that though is I think just recently, I would say this is a more recent trend than it was maybe back in the flicker days when I was there. But you know, there's always and maybe I'm wrong, but there was always, you know, like I guess even as a collector, I do have that. But it's more I think it's more present now is they want something the minute they see it that's the they just can't hold off they got to get it there's not as much patience that was the whole second episode of this podcast man it's the FOMO again because you don't know which one's going to be the best and because they're not all dropping at the same time sometimes you've got a month apart you're like well i gotta get this one now in case it's the best one right (laughs) and And i even did that too i mean i didn't uh i did that with uh i think you guys talked about it last episode with oh god the daredevil that came out from from the she-hulk series and I, I ended up buying two of them because, you know, I was just like, oh, this one looks great. And then I saw another one. I was like, oh, that one looks good, too. I wonder which one's going to be better. So I just bought them both, you know, but I can trade for all mine. You know, like a lot of times I can, like I said, I have a, a, some brands I know and I can just work with that and just trade with them. So that makes it easier for me. But, 
if you can't, then you have to just buy it outright. That's hard to do to budget for all that. So I do feel for those customers that have to budget and make those decisions without seeing both products at the same time. So I do, that would be frustrating. But then I think most people know what my style looks like and what that other brand style looks like. If they can kind of have that general idea, they'll know, you know, what is it worth waiting for mine to come out or not? You know, I think most people have an idea of what I'm going to do and for if you're a new collector you kind of you know you're trying to say what kind of things to give as suggestions for people for me as a collector i've found you know like for you you know you can just buy both of them or if you have a rule you'll say i'm not gonna get star wars or i'm only gonna get these brands so those are good things too but another way to do it too is just to say maybe as a starting collector see which brands you like better you know try this brand for a figure that is appealing to you and then try this other brand for another figure that appeals to you or if you like one particular figure, buy both of them at the beginning just to try and then see which one you like better. And maybe you'll see which brand is more your kind of, you know, like you were saying, some people are like LifeBricks has a has a nice collection of custom parts. And maybe that's more your angle. Maybe you like the style that it fits into, you know, like I try to integrate mine so it kind of fits into a Lego aesthetic and it can just sit on the shelf with the Lego and kind of mix in. Although, you know, there are, I try to bring it to a certain level that's like almost an, like we, the style uh, is the same, but it, there's we, some we elements. We that if Lego gave a shit, this is what it would look like. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so I mean, at least th- then that way they have a feel for okay, this is what I'm going for, and I like that. Then I'm gonna go with that. Like I just remember talking to Sket uh, a month or two back. You know, like he put together this this one fig barf, and I was like, really, you like that? Uh, you know, that's the one you like together with this and that. And he was like, yeah, this looks better, and this is why. And I was like, well. It's just being ahead of my questions, man. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) So yeah, and so I can see we had different approaches to what looks good for certain certain things. So I mean, that's the thing is you got to feel what is the thing that you really what appeals to you in terms of collecting, and when you have that idea, buy from these different brands. See if that's what you're into. You know, sometimes you don't tell until a figure's in your hand. You know, pictures sometimes don't do it justice. You know, a lot of times because of lighting, or a lot of times because of just angles of things. And then when you get it in your hand, you're like, oh dang, that is pretty cool. So I think that might be my suggestion is try things, see what works either for your budget slash what you're interested in. And then, like you said, come up with kind of an approach and then stick with that and see how it works. And maybe after a year or so, you're like, you know, I would tweak that approach and do this instead. Maybe maybe just stick with the brand or maybe you're just going to go with the one that has a certain approach in terms of which one has the most specific accessory that you wanted to come with it, you know, or something. But it is difficult, but I think... Over time, you develop what works and what doesn't. I think as a collector. So going so, back to going back to styles and aesthetic, um, this is something that Phil and I really wanted to talk to you about. And we are in an age of unprecedented innovation in the custom minifigure world. You know, back in the day, like UV reactive printing was a premium feature, and now we have more accessories. We have printed hands, uh, the introduction of magnets and intricate molding. And as a brand that closely aligns to the traditional Lego aesthetic. How do you draw the line when considering new and innovative solutions to design problems? It's been an interesting dance over the years. I think it's been one of the, so I remember everything changes. I always say that I'm going to stick to this. Let me me caveat that real quick. For example, your recent Iron Man 3, uh, Tony, you had printed the headgear as opposed to a mold, which is something that Minifigure Factory and what most recently Earthly Bricks had done. Yeah. Yeah. and I, th- I think it's in that one, it's more just my own taste, but I think it's, 
here's the thing is when it comes to design choices, I think the thing is for me, it's changed over. Like my appetite has changed and I think it's been pushed a little bit by what I've seen other brands do and what works. And it's also to do with the fact that, you know, when Lego first did, you know, and they still to this day, they don't print on the back legs and I never did either. I thought that that was just something Lego wouldn't do. And so I wouldn't, but, and the reason for that was, and I think Lego's reasoning too, was that's just going to rub off the print. Every time you sit it in a chair, every time that you want to put that into a stud somehow and hang it, it's going to scratch on those, the back of the leg. So why would you do that? But the print, the ink that's used for printing has gotten much more sturdy for pad printing. Whereas when I first started, if that thing was sat down on a chair like 20 times, print would be half off probably because you scratched the crap out of it. And I used to be so nervous about shipping things out. You know, I'd, I'd wrap the crap out of it in uh, bubble wrap all the time. But printing has gotten much more solid now. You can you can sit things in the grooves and it won't scratch for the most part. I'm not going to say 100%, but I, and I know there's still collectors going like, are you serious? You'd put a you know, they put that on a seat, but I, I would, I'm just saying in general, the printing is better. So I trust it more. And so that finally got me to a point where I could accept putting printing on the back. Another thing is too, that more dual molded legs started coming out too, so that you could kind of do that. You can get away with it a little bit by just putting, you know, boot printing on the bottom of the foot, whereas it wouldn't go anywhere near that and scratch it as much. But I've kind of, now that we can see how durable the printing is, I've changed that approach. There's only one thing I I have not like for example I've I've gotten more wrap around arm printing cuz I I can feel that we can do that now whereas before it was really sloppy. And so it's in terms of aesthetics it does look better and it does push Lego. I think Lego has done more arm printing in the last 2 years than they probably have ever in the last 5 years just because printing technology has gotten better where you can cover more of the arm and it's better quality. And I think Pushing the boundaries by these other companies has kind of pushed me to think about what is aesthetically still Lego. And I've kind of thought too to myself, what parts, if I could, you know, tell Lego, what could they do to improve it? Those are things that I would kind of include in my figures. So for example, aesthetically, it's nice to have wraparound leg printing. It's nice to have wraparound arm printing if you can do it. The only thing I I just still cannot, I and I don't think is an aesthetically astute thing for me it's not a a choice that i agree with is printing on the side of torsos for two reasons Uh, my approach to that is first of all female torsos look really weird with wraparound printing in my opinion because they have those hips that are drawn in the front and then seeing it continue on the side just looks like there's some cancer on the side of her it doesn't look right to me so (laughs) Like yeah, you, can't, I, you can't show that negative space on the side, can you? It's uh, yeah. no, not and, without carving it out like a, an area like custom, right? And, and yeah. that would be for me the only way to make that look right is if you had some sort, and then you didn't have to draw that in. But the fact that you have to draw it in, and that's the aesthetic that Lego has to this day still, and it looks right, I can't do that for that reason. So that's one reason. The second reason is, even with the durability of of Legos. One thing, if you ever look at it, is the side of an arm scratches the side of torsos ridiculously. So people like to pose it for photographs and stuff still, and it's going to scratch. And I've, I can't tell you how many times, like when I made a photograph of one of the, the uh, brands that would do that, where I had, I noticed that, oh, you know what? There's a little bit of a ring there I can see, you know, and I don't want to ruin the print there. So I'm just going to keep the arms to the side. For that reason too, I just, I'm not quite there. I don't think that that's... There was an instance a year or two ago with a minifigure that was packed tight and had, you know, 
arm braces of sorts. And because it's such as packed so tight, once you try to move the arm, it took the paint print right off. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I think that collectors that's, I mean, the first thing you want to do is kind of pose it and check out, you know, all the looks. So if someone prints on the side, what are you going to do? You're going to move that arm to see that print. And when you do that, you, there's a chance you could scape that side printing. That's with what the Photoshop arm. is for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so we also, you also had mentioned to me once before in our talks about you like to consider how we display these things. So like capes and tails and that kind of, you know, and like your challenges with Captain Sam, you know, Captain America, Sam Wilson uh, with the wings, trying yeah. to accommodate those who want to display these things within cases and such. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I always, I keep in mind three things because I have a lot of friends like, you know, you and a couple other uh, guys that do photography. I always keep that in mind. Like if this was posed, what would really allow that to be posed well for photography? So one of the things that, and it happens still where I, I, I will put this idea out there and the, the designer still doesn't do that with the cape, but where I think a cape should flow back enough so that you can pose a leg back some way. So it looks like he's walking or Maybe for Superman, haven't where he's flying with his legs back. If the cape is, you know, dead against the back of the leg, you can't do that. So I usually try to have it where it's swooping back a little bit, at least so you can pose more. I know a lot of photography friends appreciate that more when it comes to these molded capes. And I know that the tough thing with that, though, is that I do fe- I see feedback from certain people is, you know, some people like the aesthetics of the of the cloth cape for photographs because you can pose it more. And so then when you make something, for example, a Thor hair that hangs over the top of that, that Thor hair will only match with that plastic cape. And so if you remove the plastic cape, then it doesn't have that same aesthetic. It almost looks like it's floating. You know what I mean? Which sometimes you can get away with and make something look like you know, maybe the wind's blowing or something, but it's as there's that gap. And so that bugs people. But that's the choice that we made is that we think that that plastic cape has certain elements on it that couldn't be present on a cloth cape. You know, like, for example, on Thor, he has those circles in the front, or he has that thing around his neck, you know, for Infinity War. You can't do those with a cloth cape. And so those are just choices I made, knowing that that's just the best way to get the aesthetic we're looking for, even though it's not going to be as well received by maybe some photographers that would rather pose it with a cloth cape or so. So I keep that in mind. I also keep in mind, you know, a lot of people like the, the fact that I approach things from a Lego aesthetic, try to keep the lines, certain thicknesses that match Legos. I think that's why your brand has such a wide appeal. Honestly, that's why I, I mentioned you're kind of, you're sort of a gateway drug into the custom <laughs> world because yeah. they can see Lego in your designs. So they, they, they can't seamlessly integrate it with their existing collection. At least I try to, that's the approach I go with. And a lot of times, sometimes I'll find at the end, maybe I went a little too far and maybe there's more details than, than people would, choose or maybe not enough but i i always try to find it where it's just you can find that balance where it's got the lego aesthetic by the line depth or line widths and things like that but at the same time you know adding something special to it that may be lego if they went the extra mile you know it's so funny you'd say if lego gave a crap but you know they are getting i think i i gotta tell you especially hearing interviews with uh, guys like uh, citizen brick who know that they've seen you know, Lego actually put their stuff on their desk and things like that. I know that they they do pay attention to some of the things that are in this world generally. So it does have an impact there. Because, I mean, look at, we had just yesterday, was it yesterday that the bow could not fig? I yeah. mean, I can tell you, I guarantee that they saw certain figs that came out and were like, you know what, I bet they would like if this had arm printing. It would make that better, you know, or that, that we changed the helmet print to be more like the character. 
I don't know if that did or not, but I, I just, when I looked at that, yeah, figure, I thought, you know what? Did. Yeah. Let's say they did. I like that. Let's say they did. <laughs> so I, I, to me, I personally think that as a designer or the, just the design team, they thought, you know what, this is what they'd want is out of this figure to change those things. But anyway, there's a, I think the more that we as a custom community push certain boundaries that are within range, you know, there's some things that just, you don't want it to be, there's a fine line between an action figure and a Lego figure. And, you know, you don't want to go too far where it's, it's action figurey, but at the same time, why not try it and to see where that boundary is, you know, like a uh, gin is trying things that are pushing boundaries. And so is, uh, you know, life bricks and Jaka and me, we're trying, you know, I less than others, but the more we can push boundaries, you know, that are within range, I'm probably more incremental than other brands, but I'll see something that might work. And I'll say, you know, maybe we should try that on this next figure. That's kind of in that, that realm. Well, um, that actually brings me into my next question. Cause you know, you've revisited previous designs with the advent of new technology and you know ink and paint or whatever and so for instance you know you've got version two of your amazing spider-man fig coming out and then you're re-released you know version two of iron spider which was probably on everybody's top 10 list for that year are there any other figs that you're wishing to revisit because you have a better idea for the design or because the innovations are multi-technologies so to your vision and why is that going to be the collector fig so (laughs) so yeah for me there's a couple figures that you know i i look back and i was looking at some of the things and with the 10-year anniversary coming up i was thinking you know it'd be kind of fun to revisit maybe a couple of these and i got some ideas how i'll approach them but yeah there's a couple that i'd like to do knowing some of the things that we do like with custom parts and and what we could do with those that would make it even better you know and i think enough time has to pass between the first version and the second so for example you know, I just uh, released, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of one that I released uh, recently. Let's just say She-Hulk. I wouldn't re-release a She-Hulk this year. You know, that's not something Yeah, no, that, that, would, that would be kind of, people would go like, that's kind of backwards. Why would you do that? You know, so I wouldn't do that. But if there's something like three or four years ago that, you know, now with all the different changes might look better, I'm always game for thinking of that. And so people are always, you know, asking me if that's something and i'm always open if there's something that can be improved in a way i might think about and i have to guess that the two figs that i see looked for most like on the geek exchange and in my dms and whatnot is probably your um bucky rescue cat oh yeah and the collector the collector by far is the one i've seen for sale the least in the secondhand market (laughs) i think i've maybe seen it twice in four or five years yeah that's interesting. Um, and that's probably, yeah. So those are probably the two I would say the most that people ask about. And maybe I might make a contest out of it and see which people think would be a good one to make. I don't know. It might be something to, that'd be kind of a fun, uh, maybe I think the newer collectors will all say cap and the older collectors will all say collector because they, they missed it. And they <laughs> well, maybe the problem yeah. is if you, if you make a collector fig, now you're going to have to do a grandmaster fig too. I need you to do a Jeff Goldblum face. Oh God. Yeah. That would be, yeah. It, yeah. That would be really good with me. Yeah. 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 That'd be fun. <laughs> Cause he was actually missing a couple elements too. If you think of the Lego one, you know, he had generally the things, but he was missing some of the, th- it was, it was, it was, a, it wasn't great. It was good, but it wasn't great. So yeah, we definitely want a, a nice custom. I've got, one the, I've got the one. Your face is a perfect fit, you know? Was yeah, it what other thing? Diamond. Who did who did the the customs? I think it was Dragon Brick, right? I mean, I really like it. The print on the on the cloth is is beautiful. But I would love to see an Adam version of Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> It'd be fun to make. Yeah, yeah. What else do you think, Phil? What other would would be good ones to kind of think as a second approach? 
as a collector? I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, we know we know that you can show a real evolution. I mean, the best example of that would be for me your cap figs. Look, look at your first cap compared to your latest caps. You know, it it is like a it's almost like a completely different designer. You know, so it would be interesting to see some of the older ones uh, with something new. I think probably collector just for the masses. Because that is a great fig. You 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 released that one at a perfect time. It wasn't long after the Comic Con fig itself came out. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's commenting just you you basically improved on that fig in every possible way. You know, you made it you made it a real fig, whereas the the, the Comic Con one almost looked like a a knockoff in comparison. It's it's oh, you know I can't think of any off the top of my head actually. I like I I I've always been quite happy with the designs. You know, I, 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 I think Deadpool's already coming out. That's even redone. Oh yeah, well, they, with you, you know. Yeah, Deadpool was definitely one that I saw that we could improve too with because it was kind of minimal print. I think I only did the torso and front legs, I think, and the arms, and that's all I did, I think, on that. And I, I there wasn't as much detail as as I pack into figs now as as when I look back. So a lot of the, th- I mean, you can see, like you were saying too, Phil. There's kind of an evolution that I, 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 when I look back at those figs, I keep, you know, there's so many times like, oh God, that looks so terrible. But there's other times where I'm thinking, you know, it's just a different. It was a more simple lego aesthetic back then you know versus now um even lego like we said with the bo-katan fig has arm printing you know leg printing even top or front foot printing you know so i mean things have evolved over just the last two three years so much that i just think uh if you compared even a figure i designed like three years ago versus now there's such a big difference in terms of absolutely what goes into it so it's almost like i'm a different designer now than i was three years ago so it'd be worth and you know re investing time into that character again to see what would I do nowadays? You know, is there something different I would do? And if there's need and want for that, I think it'd be kind of fun. I just, at the same time, there's certain things like, like that Spider-Man head from the Tom Holland ones. I I don't know how I would do that differently, but there's certain other aspects of it that I think I could do differently. That would be interesting to approach. I mean, there's certain webbing things on the head. Maybe I would change, but I think for the most part, I, I really like how the lenses turned out and I've, I think I've reused that as a just a motif just because I was so happy with how it turned out. But there's other things, elements of the designs that I would definitely approach differently. And some of it's impacted by the way some other companies have kind of done it and that I liked and certain things that I would kind of translate in my own version. But yeah, I, I, I'm constantly inspired by other companies that are in our space that do such great work. I hopefully inspire them back. And we kind of just, I think it's just over two, three years is just changed uh, the way that we do things, you know? And so it'd be fun to approach some of those older ones. So, so again, great segue. My next subject is, is Adam, the artist. You obviously put a lot of time and energy into these things. And, you know, over the time, over the t- over time, I've had a chance to develop a uh, pretty good relationship with many brands. Uh, we talked about FOMO last episode, and we discussed the uh, parasocial relationship that can develop between, with due to brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning basically we, we sometimes we buy a fig we may not even care about, but only for the reason to support that brand that we've come to appreciate. So that being said, sometimes we regret those purchases because either we need to make room on the shelf or we realize we didn't have the funds at the time and we need to raise funds for new figs or whatever. Yeah. Um, in some cases, because the brand may put out a fig that appeals to that collector's taste a bit more. So my question to you as a designer do you ever take it personal when you see somebody who you know to be a big fan actually selling your fig? <laughs> no, I, I always understand. I mean, yeah, whenever someone's like, when I see a particular figure of mine, just all of a sudden I'll see like, you know, because I follow a lot of buy, sell, trade 
pages on mini or on Facebook or whatever, if all of a sudden I just start seeing like a particular figure just get dumped on the on the market, I'm like, it's like, oh, that's a shame. You know, I kind of like that one. I mean, that's as far as that goes. Really, I don't really take it personally ever. It's it's you know, change uh, taste change situations for people change for what they what they need and what they have to do in their own lives so maybe they have to sell but i don't think i've you know and and there's times too where you know i'll make something and i'm really happy with how it turned out and every collector or lots of collectors did too and all of a sudden another brand makes one and it just improves it and it makes it next level and i can see that you know like because even as a collector i might have even bought the same figure and uh like a lot of people the funniest story is whenever I take pictures of figs that I get on my desk here and I have kind of like my favorites that I've made over the years on my desk. And people are always just stunned when they see that my Mando figure has cold blood's helmet on there. They're like, why would you do that? Why don't you like your own? I was like, well, I kind of like their helmet better, you know, <laughs> just to be completely honest, you know, they, they did a good job on it. And I kind of wanted to see what it looked like on my figure. And I kind of like the marriage there. So it it happens, you know, where someone else makes a design that is just a little bit better or has a certain aspect that's better. And because of that, maybe some one of my older ones or my previous one happens. I mean, I've seen it with a lot of collectors where they're like, you know, I've had it for a while and this one's just better. I think I'm just gonna move it on. And it's it's a natural thing. Do I take it personally? Yeah, in, my, in my in my personal Never. case, that was that was more for me so I could sleep at night because I sold a few of <laughs> things recently. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, basically, like say for instance, uh, like my my tastes have evolved a little bit away from the Lego aesthetic and more towards the custom. So, like say for Iron Man, I've gone all in on Top Mountain, hoping to have a unified look across my Iron Man. Sure. So, oh yeah. So the unit, the Lego aesthetic doesn't really fit well with the Top Mountain intricate, you know, intricate design. I've set these rules for myself not to duplicate figs so to keep myself from buying multiple versions, which was a problem for a while. <laughs> I think it's funny you say that too, because a lot of I get a, some feedback sometimes that were just. I even saw one on a comment in one of my posts uh, yesterday was just like, you know, that helmet doesn't look Lego at all. You know, like looking at my Mark Fifty, I was like, oh well, I tried to make it, you know, look as Lego as I could. It's, it, but I guess it's custom. But yeah, it's it's kind of like there's different levels of of what's custom and what's, and so you kind of like you said after you get into the game, you feel what you're your level of customization and and what's outside the boundaries of Lego. Like Lego will never do a wraparound arm print, but we like that, you know, that's even I've even adjusted that. Like, for example, I'm getting test prints this week from certain things. Like one of them's the, uh, the Thor love and thunder uh, blue suit, I guess you could call it or something, you know, and that's one of the first ones. I think it's the first one. Maybe it's not. It's one of the first ones that's pretty much wrapped around all the way from front to back. And I even looking at the picture through the, uh, the plastic poly bag that production sent me just to show me what's on the way. I was looking at that going like, man, that looks really good. I like the way that 360 is. <laughs> so I might be, you know, I'm a convert now. And so is that too much custom versus you heard here first? Adam just changed his mind. He's doing side prints. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that, that, that's one of those. That's yeah. That's like my, yeah. <laughs> I just, I can't go there, but there's, there's certain times where I wish that was different. You know, like I had that, and I didn't worry about the side scraping and stuff where I see someone else did a, a design figure. I'm like, you know, that does look a little cleaner that way. But at the same time, I just, I know mm-hmm. how much I've, I've been. So here's the thing is I also not only sell uh, many figures, but I talk to people that collect them and have problems with them. So I get emails all the time about like this scratched off or this got chipped or this is, can you fix this for me? Is there one that you got, can you replace it? So if I did side, I just can imagine the nightmare scenario of custom no, I'm uh, glad you're putting your you're thinking ahead 
and putting huge, you know, quality control ahead of, you know, the demands of the masses, because we're, be honest, we're not thinking that far ahead. We're just thinking about what's going to be in our mailbox tomorrow. Right, exactly. But at the same time, I do appreciate those brands that are pushing the envelope and doing that side printing. Because, But the only thing for me is that it raises the price of it. And is that worth it? And then uh, for me, the biggest thing is the quality. Is is, is going to scratch off or not? And I just don't buy that they've gotten to a point where that won't scratch off. And we are, I know that there's certain experimental things that have been tried to put like almost like a code on top of printing, but I don't think it has the Lego aesthetic then, you know, so... Yeah, I don't think I'll ever change that one, but I won't say I never. Just I was a hardcore. I was really getting into the side printing until we had our our last episode, and I and I was thinking. I literally came to this epiphany during the episode recording. I was just like, you know, the fact is, we see these minifigures and these previews. We're all zoomed in. We're never holding it that close to our face when we actually have it in hand. Um, yeah, some folks, like Marcus, we have what we call Marcus Vision. Like I literally, okay. I put the little trademark symbol next to it every time I type it in chat. <laughs> and he's got the macro vision built into his brain and so he can see these things without yep. any without any assistance from technology but generally speaking we don't really keep it to our face and stare at it so when it's sitting on my shelf or it's in front of me on my desk i don't even see the side of the thing because the arm is blocking it yeah and it's why straight on. am i focused on that right and why? it's straight on for the most part if you're looking at it you know you're looking at what's straight ahead that's why i always tell my printers you know we have got to have the front head, the front torso, and the front legs and everything look perfect. You know, that if there's anything that's off, you're going to get the ire of, the, uh, you know, Adam from that. So, because I mean, that's what's presented when you put it on the shelf and it's looking at you through that, you know, whatever you use as your collectible space, you're seeing the front of that. And maybe if you're lucky, if you're walking by it, you see the arms and the side of the legs and things like that. But the side torso, you're right, is mostly covered with the leg, with the arms. I know a lot of people have their different tastes. And so, you know, that's why I'm glad there's different brands that do it that way. But for me, I think, I just think there's too many downsides to side torso printing that just, I can't overcome at this point. And it bugs me every time I see a design that's a female that has the wraparound torso print. It's just like, oh, it doesn't look right. You know, I'm glad there's a lot of different brands out there that try different things. So it's just one of those things that I have not bought into yet. And it's not something I think is, is worth the leap in there for me in terms of where we are in terms of printability and just the, you know, like feeling you, you were saying or agreeing to is it's just, it looks different with that little silhouette from the side uh, or on the front that how did that wrap around? It just doesn't work, you know? So. So um, it's funny you were saying about scratching off and it was making me think um, about your Mark II fig, funny enough, actually, was, um, going back to what you were saying about whether any figs I'd like to see done again. Oh Yeah. Yeah, uh, so obviously Mark II was a chromed fig, wasn't it? And you know, anyone who's who's been collecting customers for a while knows that chrome can be an absolute nightmare. I mean, I'm I even oh, I personally God. scared to breathe on that fig. You know, I love the look <laughs> of it, but I don't want to. You know, fingerprints alone are bad enough, but breathing on it, you're scared it's going to flake. So, right. is it, is chrome something that might have improved over time, or is it something you just wouldn't want to look at again? Or, or, or would you would you maybe apply the same paints that you've been using for your Green Goblin and Iron Spider? Yeah, right, right. So that's what I was thinking. So here's the thing: is one at the time that was the only way to get that kind of look and that nobody had really done that at that point, at least as far as I know, there was kind of like a, there was this brand on eBay and I can't even remember what their name was. They sold a, oh, a um, minifigs.pl. That's it. That's it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So yeah. So Phil, you know what I'm talking about. There was one that was there that was like a silver Chrome, but it didn't quite have the, the Mark II design on it, but it looked close enough. So I got it. I remember thinking how cool it was in my hand. 
that, you know, there's nothing like that, that was the Mark II. So I figured, and it didn't have like a, uh, I think it was like a simple, I don't know if it had a print on the front of the face or on the uh, faceplate. But anyway, I just was like, you know, we need to get that out there in that terms. And there was only two people that could make that at the time. And so I ordered from one of the groups to get just those parts all in silver chrome. And that was the best that we could do at the time. And I remember two muddy mini figures. Yeah, he automotive chrome. Wasn't yeah, so he did. Yeah. So he actually used, yeah, like what they use at the auto parts place where they actually just spray chrome on the uh, the parts of the car. The only problem with that is it adds such thickness to it. So yeah, it's durable, but you can't move the minifigure. It's like not just thickness. That weighs about four times this, uh, the weight <laughs> of a normal minifigure. Right. Well. <laughs> exactly. So like, not only could you not move your minifigure, you, you you know you injure your hand every time you pick it up. It was one of those things that, it, that those were the only choices at the time. And nicely now we have this. I don't know what the magic is behind what is done at the production facility. I'm always, I always ask, can we do this? And then they just come up with this great way to do it. I'm like, damn, that looks nice. And then we just do it from that on. So one of the things is when we had right before I released the Mark 50, there was a figure that was done by somebody. And I was like, is there a way we could do that where we don't see the metallic effect, but it's still a shiny and smooth and durable. And so they did some research on it and they, they came up with this one thing and they sent me a sample. And I, I remember just, you know, just tap, just chip, trying to chip it on the edges and taking the, the, the hand in and out and rotating it all the time. And then just looking at it like, man, there's not a scratch. It didn't chip off. I was like, this might be the way forward. So we tried that and I'm glad it just took a long time. It's an expensive process to do those, but once it was made, it was totally worth it because I think that's one of my favorite figures that I've made. And I don't, I, um, I'm proud of all the things I've made, but that one is like a centerpiece on one of my, you know, on my desk here. I just love looking at it. It's just so shiny. It's unique. It has the color and the durability that I like. And I usually, you know, don't toot my horn that much, but this one was just, I think it turned out so well that I just, I kept thinking I got to make some more like this. So what's difficult and what I found was not, you know, I just thought, Oh, you just grab another color. Right. So when I made that Green Goblin, it took a long time to come to the right color to get that Green Goblin look from the movie with the production company. But at the same time, when they when we finally got it, COVID hit, and or it was maybe a little after COVID hit, but either way, the, the group that made the paints for them, that worked with them, went out of business, and they didn't send them the mix. So oh we my gosh. So that's why that took so long. We were literally, would have been six or seven months before that. But... They, they completely lost the mix. So we really had to start from scratch and incrementally just change it here and there, make it a little more of this, make it a little less this. And for what, six months, we finally came up with as close as we could get it to what was approved the first time. And then they finally put that together and, and mix it on there. That's, I mean, it came out great. I think it came out as well as, as I possibly can make it. And I thought it looked just, ex- I think it looked better in hand than it did when they were sending me pics. Cause I was nervous sweating bullets when i saw the pictures i was like i think it looks good let's let's look at let's have the distributor send me pictures and then finally some people got some in hand and was telling me what they thought compared to what we agreed on and it looked close enough and then i finally got in i was literally like one of the last people to get it i think because i just got mine like a week or so ago two weeks ago something like that (laughs) the last thing you want to hear is it's good enough from, right. from your distributor <laughs> right well i i can never you know they're not they're not they're not creative types they're not the kind that are like oh this looks beautiful they're like can i ship this or what but they can tell when there's things missing or if there's something dinged or if there's if it doesn't match what i approved those kind of things in terms of like i when i finally got it in hand i was like thank god it's exactly what i wanted you know that's the color i was going for 
but I was sweating bullets until I physically got it in my hand. Cause I mean, pictures look fine, but they never, you know, you can never tell what it's like in hand until you actually physically get it. So that's one of those times where I never, I didn't, I approved it, but sometimes you can approve something and then when it goes through production, it can turn out a little bit differently than you approved. That's why I always have the distributors and the production send me pictures and send me to make sure that it matches. And they usually have the thing I proved right next to it. So I can see. Cause the I, face came out really good. I mean, it, I love it, but I'm, that actually I'm, brings me next, to another point. Yeah. As an artist who puts in countless hours in the overall design, then Lego being modular in nature and varying those varying tastes by collector. Do you have any feelings when you see collectors fig barf other brands, parts into your design? You, you mentioned Sket earlier. He is, probably the premier fig barfer in the superhero minifig community. That guy has visions and plans and he puts them into action and it's amazing the things that he pulls off. Yep. But you as an artist, when you're like, man, I've, I got the singular vision of what this thing should look like. What do you mean? You want to swap the, the legs? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah. And it, it's like I said, with, with Sket, I was like, Oh, that's not the way I do it. But then, you know, he's saying like, you know, we have different tastes, obviously. And I was like, you know, it's very true. And that's the beauty of like what I say that the variety is the spice, you know, in this community that it's nice. Some people see things differently, you know, and I think that what's nice about Lego from the beginning is you can always swap things out, swap parts out, swap. Things. That's what Lego is. You know, it's building and making things your own and, and making it a certain way and being creative. So if that means, you know, creatively mixing and matching different brands, you know, that's kind of the way it is. And I think that's great. I've even done it, like I said, with my own, like I put Cold Blood's helmet on my own figure. So it's it's uh, it's natural, I think, when it comes to Lego. That's kind of what it is. You know, Lego is supposed to be interchangeable and fun like that. So I actually kind of am always intrigued by the different ways that people put it together. I just, I may not agree all the time, but that's what, you know, subjective. I mean, this basically is kind of art, you know, on a Lego minifigure. So to each their own, you know, if they want to mix and match with, put a life bricks helmet on a PCB head and torso and somebody else's legs and custom parts, you know, power to them. And it makes it easier for all of us brands. Cause then we'll sell our stuff still, even if we have mixed in you know, the same thing. So I think it's great that way, but at the same time, obviously I have my own vision and what I, I think it should look like. And usually it's on my figure, but sometimes, you know, like when I get done and someone else makes one after me and it's like that little change is, you know, better, you know, I, it's almost like not a FOMO thing, but like as a designer, it's like, man, I wish I would have thought of that before. Like, uh, can you think I, of an example? I would love to share it, but I think it would be, I think my collectors would then look at that figure differently. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. So, no, no, no. I totally understand. But, uh, there, yeah, there's two or three figures and, and I get a couple friends of mine that are on Instagram that I chat with about this. They'll say like, what did you think about this? You know, like, and I'll say, honestly, I'll go like, you know, I think this is better in certain ways. You know, I wish I would have done that that way. And they'll go like, really? You know, I'm like, yep, that's what I would have done. I think it's better. And they're always surprised when I find some other brands better than my own. Like I would have that, like, wouldn't I always take my brand? For no, I always take whatever someone designs in my opinion, looks better. I'll, a lot of times it's another brand. So for example, that's a I would, great trait to have because there are some brands out there that think it's my stuff or nothing. Yeah, and it's yeah. not healthy. When you said about not bothering about not being bothered about you know people uh, mixing and matching parts, I could imagine some some brand owners would go as far as to probably glue the parts together to prevent <laughs> it. Oh well, I I know for a fact that some brands would ban you from their private chat channels, like their WhatsApp or or their WeChat, yeah. for for insulting their vision. 
and it's it's tough as an artist you know obviously you have such a vision for what you're trying to do and gosh i'm trying to think of the movie that i saw recently where it's like uh two artists that are sparring and oh you know what i was thinking of actually was uh um that movie uh by uh christopher nolan about the two um uh, magicians the prestige you know and they're trying out and they're trying they get so mad that the other one outdoes the other one but they know they can accept that's better than theirs you know um, and that's the way I look at it, that, but I don't want, it's not like I'd kill myself for that or yeah, let's say don't, don't there's, there's a limit there, but at the same time, right. <laughs> I, I won't be, I won't be uh, putting myself in dunking myself in, uh, in my own chambers and stuff. But yeah, there there's, I, for me, it's, I, I, as I, you know, I, I say this to people all the time. I'm a, I'm a collector first and a fan of Lego first. That was something that was, you know, reintroduced to me through my kids. And I, I just enjoy doing it, you know, being around Legos. They're something I grew up with. And now seeing them at such a level is kind of fun. And now that I can express myself creatively with these is kind of a another angle of that. That's that's also unique that I get to experience. And I'm lucky enough to work to the point where I can do that now. But I'm also, since I'm a collector, can also say, dang, that is a good job by so-and-so. I love what they did can't wait to get it at the same time man my figure looks like crap now you know so <laughs> it's it's so, it's a reality but it's it's okay it, it drives me to do better on my next figure and that's okay that's a good thing you know if it doesn't motivate you you know if you just go in the dumps and you're like i suck you know you're not going to sell anymore and you're done and but this wasn't, what was this your wasn't point of question but you've inspired me to think about this sure you know once once you when jaka announced their their mando with in conjunction with cold blood yeah, people were kind of raising an eyebrow because obviously you had collaborated with them in the, both with Cold Blood in the past. Yeah. So, did you did you feel that this is going to be it was a unique challenge, or are you you know nervous about how it's going to be received because people might want their Mandos to match, or you know, I mean, just go ahead and just, I mean, I have really no answer for this that I'm looking for. I'm just curious about what no, yeah, I was on on this because this was oh, a I'm surprise sure. to a lot of folks. And, yeah, so um, so I've worked with Cold Blood for a long time. When I uh, a couple years ago, when they 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 made something that I thought would just look fantastic, and I was like, that was maybe it was the Mando helmet. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it was the Mando helmet. I think after I made my Mando, and I thought, what a great you know. I wish I would have had a helmet like that. You know, these guys did a great job with that. And then we started chatting it up, and I told them that you know, like, have you ever thought of doing like just custom parts with my designs, maybe? And I talked them into it, and we got into doing several figs together, and it worked out really great. And then. You know, um, they had things that came up that they couldn't really, you know, a lot of people know that were communicating that they kind of went into boogie land. Like we couldn't talk to them for a lot of time, like three or four months. And in some cases more than that. And it wasn't. And when they came back, I asked, you know, like, is everything okay? And, you know, this is during COVID time. So who knows what happened, but I know that they had some things going on. I don't know if it was business related things that they're doing in their personal life, but I could tell that there was something that kept them away. And they also had technical glitches with their communication. I know that they were, Either they couldn't get into Instagram or they couldn't get into their emails. I forgot what it was. But, you know, I, I had to make a choice at a certain point because we were going to collab on another figure after that. And I, as a brand, you know, I couldn't keep sitting there waiting for them to come back. And at the same time, I understood what they were going through and that there's nothing they could do about that. So I, when, I, when they finally reemerge and I can communicate with them about certain things and we, ch- we chatted about it, I think we both agreed, you know, that they had some projects they really wanted to do and they, they wanted to focus on that. And I had some projects that I was already kind of knee deep and I'd like to keep going. And so I either had to know what they would do it or not. And so it was kind of a mutual agreement. So I, I, there was no hard feelings and no, uh, we both love each, each other's work a lot. And we're huge fans of each other. 
So when they when they released that with them, I kind of figured, you know, at first it was their Django Fett, I think they did first. And I thought it was fantastic. That was what they, you know, they wanted, they had their big Bubba Fett fans, obviously, and doing those kind of Mandalorian helmets and stuff. So that's something they want to do a long time and they've been working on that. And it just so happened that Mando um, was something that Jock and them probably discussed. So it wasn't like uh, they, you know, wanted they to make their own. Yeah. Right. Is so yeah. I I was actually really uh um happy with it that they were able to make uh, that they found another collaborator they could work with to do the projects they were interested in. And I know Mando just happened to be one that Jocko was interested in and probably, you know, worked with them to do that, but I know they want to do some Boba Fett stuff and Django Fett was one of the ones that they wanted to do too. So I'm I'm just there is uh you know, a couple projects we just had to drop, you know, just cuz I had to know that you know, I was like, is there any chance that this could happen again that you guys could go, you know, gone for three months? And if it is, I just have to, you know, move on to somebody else to work you with. Do your risk assessment. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it. and we both agreed that, you know, it's probably best, you know, we had done some great projects together that maybe it was a good time that they went off and did their own projects. And I did uh, my projects, you know, on my own with uh, other collaborators. So it all worked out just great. Nice. I love uh, the stuff they did, like the Django Fett they came out with, with Jocko was fantastic. You know, I'm, so when I saw the Mando, it's just one of those timing things, you know, I already had a lot of ideas that nothing changed from when I saw their stuff. I was like, well, <laughs> we're just going to be around the same time, you know, but like I said, I actually like the variety that all of us brands offer. So they offered something that's going to be different than what I'm offering. So they have some things that are similar, but it's, it's one of those, I think people will just like having the the option of like their taste matching you know their look or versus my look so and yeah. it sounds like the door is still open for future collaborations so. oh always for for sure it's it one is. of those things where i think i can just tell they found their niche i think with jaka i think they're good friends as well i think they've worked you know they've been in like the same circles so they understand each other's working whereas you know me and jaka were cold right out the gate like we just never met each other and then started chatting and liked each other so it does make sense that they're working with Jaka, some people that they've worked with in the past and know. Yeah, I think their stuff that they're doing is great. But at the same time, I can't wait to show people what I've done with the uh, the next version that's uh, kind of a, a new take on, you know, because the, the one I released the first time was technically made on the first season look. And people had always teased me like, dude, it's different in season two, you know? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but then I noticed that finally when I was looking at it, I was like, there is quite a bit different. And, you know, I do want to approach my helmet a little differently. So, and some other things as well. So, um, and I think I cannot wait. Another thing that's, it's already done, but now since we're in Mando kind of season, that's kind of taking precedence, but I cannot wait to show you guys the Iron Man helmets that we've been working on. That's going to be, I think something that you guys are going to love. You know, you kind of got a taste of it with the Mark V that came out last year, but this one's obviously more towards Phase 1 kind of helmets. But I think you guys are going to like that, uh, our take on that one. I've been working on that one for a long time, too. So I think you guys are going to like the combos that I got for those. I don't usually talk about what's coming up, but that one, I think, you know, that's one that I think also I think we've been working on for one a while. One of 85 armors is going to appear next. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this one is, is another one that I think you guys are going to like, too. But... Right now, your website is, you know, pretty bare because you've not sold yeah, it anymore. I just can't I do gonna, it anymore. Yeah, it's one of I those. Was gonna, I was going to suggest that maybe you could probably even shutter your website and then just update your Instagram curated to be like an archival record of all your new things you've ever designed. Yeah, I'm thinking. So the, I've been thinking about how to repurpose that because I've I've done I've gone kind of down to a minimalist approach where it's just uh, 
it's still up because it's obviously the link still goes there. And I just haven't had, I wish I had more time to do it, but I haven't gone on there to be able to redesign the look of the website and where you, so the only thing right now is you have to go to this link to lead to the, uh, my resellers to find my old minifigures or my collab figs. So that's still a work in process, but again, I just haven't had the time to do it. Yeah. I saw, I saw a comment on, I think it was minifigure Mercs, a recent review posted, where do I find it? It's like, I go to the website, there's nothing there. Right. So I think if you were to repurpose your website to say your homepage is just available at these resellers, and then the next page is just like the history of the things you've, you've designed, mm-hmm. even yep. real simple, two-pager. Or it might even be something as simple as just a redirect to my Instagram and to yes. you know my resellers' pages and just have that as sections on there so they can just find out more about me at the places that I'm at, you know, because I just don't Very have literary. the time to do all that anymore, you know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's something I've, I've been chewing on. It's just haven't had the time because I've just been uh, working mostly and when I have free time to do this, the designs and then work on the feedback mechanisms to all my different collab friends that are doing these works with me and then also to the production so they know what to do to change things or to get things to where we need them to get produced and all that. So it's just, it's a really time consuming thing, all these different aspects. So and the then has just on top of that, life. your real life. Yeah, that kind your of family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, yeah. And the thing is, I'm a family. So everything is uh, obviously, you know, my, my family and my kids come first. And so this is like a side gig on that. So anything that uh, is in the Lego world has always come third, really, because it's my, my kids and my family, obviously my extended family. And then obviously keeping up things here at the house and all that. And like, for example, right before we got on here, I was still finishing cleaning up the dishes and finishing all the supper that we made tonight and all that. So, I mean, that's, that takes a majority of my time and the website just people are like why don't you reopen it well it's just it's just it got so time consuming as just one person and i you know i think people expect that i'm making just tons of money can i just hire people to do that well there's so many hoops to jump through that did i really want to go that far i don't you know that's not i just always want to do this as like a side hobby whereas you know like uh, citizen brick they found a way to make that a business model to to expand and make more things and keep it all in house. And I just never wanted to go that far. I always wanted to just uh, keep it simple. And then when it got too big, I couldn't keep that website open. It was just too much work on a day-to-day basis. I think people don't understand how much goes into when you get to a certain level, especially what, how much you have to, if you really want to be a well-respected brand, I have always said customer service has to be the number one priority for me. People have to get responses within a certain number of days. They have to have their needs met for fixing things or to get in their orders and all that. And so if that can't be done, I just got to stop doing that. And that's what I decided. I just, I couldn't do that to be at the level that I wanted to be at. So it was frustrating and really hard to do that decision at the time. And I had hoped at some point I could reopen it, but I've just gotten to a space. I don't see that happening again. So a lot of people are like, well, are you going to you know reopen that thing? I just don't, I don't think so. It's just, uh, there's so many other resources for people to get my, my figures I think circling back to is that's just what happened. I, I was, I remember specifically when I was, I got a, a batch of figs in and I had to ship these and I know people were antsy to get me to ship these. And I, so I worked on it feverishly and it took me to get all those orders. I remember it took me two and a half days. I even worked, I had to almost take a sick day for one day at my work on the Monday following that. And I was just thought, this is too much. I can't handle that myself. And I don't have the kind of capital to either handle hiring someone else to help and who would I trust to do that, you know? And also is that the long-term vision I have for myself doing this? This is, I've always went into this as a hobby, you know, and just that turned into a business that just blossomed much more than I ever anticipated. 
the, so the have, people you work with know about Phoenix Customs? Uh, the last place I worked, yes. For the most part, no. And the funny thing is my, my wife now starts talking about that to some of her colleagues, so they do know about it. So I'm always kind of bashful at first when they say, hey, I hear you do Legos. I'm like, yeah, I do. And then I tell them about it. And I try not to to overexcite, you know, more than they're excited, <laughs> you know. I just, I just think you said out. about taking a sick day. Just thinking, you know, you come in, you come in the next day. They're like, oh, shipping packages, eh? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is. know what you were doing. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I think at my last work, the only person, there was only one other person that could tell, like, that's, like, what I was doing. That they're like, oh, I, I saw your website. Uh, I saw that, you know, this is what you've been doing. I, I get that. You know, it's busy stuff, huh? I was like, all right, this person kind of gets it. So, yeah that this is a good part of my life now. It's just that I, I do this much effort into it that I probably should be okay talking about it before. Like when I first started, it was like, do people think this is cool? Is this really, you know, is it worth talking about? Like, is this something I want? So I, the only problem is, you know, now it's kind of like, I still want to keep it in a mode where this is something that's more of my hobby versus my job. You know, it's not my, I'm not, you know, this isn't something I do every day, all day, all the time. Oh, wait, this doesn't make you a millionaire? Right, exactly. Um, so, and speaking of my, I always think of that uh, that meme that came out from Ragnarok, where it's uh, Kate Blanchett looking down on Taika Waititi on his iPad. Yes, you know, and that's that's exactly what I always picture. You know, like whenever I'm like, "Honey, look at this great design minifigure," and she's looking down, like, "Okay, great." But it's it's. I think she understands that it's it's something I, I get a lot of joy out of. It's something that is, it's something uh, I can put in time when the kids are away and. That it's it's a nice hobby, so I like to keep it at that level still. But I've been doing it for so long now that it's it's kind of nice whenever I meet someone that's like, "Oh wow, you do you customize a Lego? How do you do that?" And then talking about that, and it's it's become more of like that. Yeah, that's part of my that's a big part of my life now. You know, that I I can celebrate that and talk about it openly and be like, you know, that's that is a big deal. You are blowing up, man. Because again, with COVID and people sitting at home being on the internet surfing, and then Next thing you know, you got, you know, MFG Customs and you got many superheroes today hawking your stuff on their YouTube channels and introducing us to a whole new world of customs. I've never seen it before. And yeah, it's the custom scene has blown up quite a bit, not only just when it went to Instagram versus Flickr, which is more of a contained smaller group. I just feel it's gotten bigger on Instagram and then a whole nother level when you said, like you said, in COVID where I think people just had time to invest and go like you know i i'm gonna be here all day i could probably build a lego set and then i'm really interested in this thing like marvel or star wars and oh this is the coolest thing i've ever seen you know i'd like to try that and then they they dabble and then they look online and they find a picture maybe on a google search or something and next thing you know they're on instagram and they get in the community and so i think it just bloomed like you said through youtube and instagram and all that the last few years and all these brands that have blossomed up and are doing amazing jobs creating their own customs and stuff. And so it's been really fun to watch it grow the last few years and to see how it changes over the years with ability to customize, you know, like helmets, hair pieces. You know, I remember back in the day when I would not even think of a custom hair piece. I'd just work with whatever Lego had out there. Whereas nowadays it's almost like, oh, you're just using a Lego hair? Really? I'm going to get that probably in one of my releases coming up. But one of those things is just, it's almost expected just because of how far things have come in the community. But uh, it's, it's it's an interesting time to be a collector, that's for sure. Uh, do you get a chuckle when you see like uh, those YouTubers, you know, display your reviews of your stuff? 
and all their, I mean, their, their audience is generally usually a younger audience, but also more of a purist community. And they're like, Oh, that looks terrible. That looks nothing right. like Lego. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always the first garbage. thing. Yeah. That's overpriced plastic. I right. Feel- they're like, you paid how much for that? And it's just like, yeah, I totally get that. Like, that's the first, uh, like when you're talking about like, do people at my work know about it or like before uh, other people that are in the, that we meet know they'll, the first thing they'll just like, their faces drop when I tell them like the price of one of these things, what they sell for. They're just like, are you kidding me? And people buy that. I'm like, yes, because they understand like how much goes into it and how it's unique and blah, blah. But even that explanation, you know, people's faces are just like, what? You, you've got to be into this hobby to understand the cost. I mean, you, you can't tell anyone. No one ever believes you when you say, I, I just dropped, you know, $80, $90 on a, on a little minifigure. Exactly. Right. It's, you know, it's, well, it's a balance because you also, you don't want to come across elitist. No. You're like, oh, I collect custom minifigures and, you know, I pay this much for them or whatever, or I've sold it for this much, but you want it, you get, you get jazzed about talking about it. And, mm-hmm. and there, there is, you know, like you said, you've already named all the factors involved and in why these costs sometimes get elevated. But, you know, what, what advice would you give to all these, these newbies that are coming in? Oh yeah. Collectors. The, uh, the, the ones crossing over from the Lego community that, that don't understand this is not like Amazon where you just order and it comes to you or, yeah, no. These aren't mass produced. What 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 advice would you give to them to get situated? Well, first I'd just tell them to get to know and talk to as many people in that community as like you, Brett, and Phil. Just talking to people that have been in for a long time to get an idea of what they're getting themselves. Like, what kind of thing are they looking at? What's what does this mean when they're seeing figures? And why is it sell for this? And what goes into that? I think talking to other collectors is a great first step. Getting into the community. I mean, first of all. Lego communities, from what I've experienced over the last 10 years, are just fun places to be, to chat up with someone else that likes something that you're into. So hopefully you enjoy just communicating with people. So get together with other collectors on Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Uh, I know on uh, Snapchat, or not Snapchat, what's the... Um, WhatsApp, I'm guessing, is it? Yes, like WhatsApp, yeah, yeah. like other chat functions. Like get into those groups, chat with them, get to know them, and then ask them about it. Because then I think the more that you chat with people that are in that will give you an understanding of the community and what it's like and what goes into each one of these figures and why it's the prices they are. And I think they'll understand that a little more. Um, the first thing they have to understand is that, you know, Lego, when they sell theirs at such a small price, you know, per figure, it's because they're making like 10,000 or 100,000 of them. And so at that price point, it's very, t- you know, it's like a penny per piece, two pieces, you know, whatever. But ours are at such a minuscule number. So like we're talking like anywhere from, I've seen some as small as 20 per up to 500 per, like with Citizen Brick, you know, when they do some of their releases. So it's still very limited if you look at that in comparison to like. So I've seen as limited as five. Yeah. It's yeah. As small Feel, as feelings with the pink, the pink fig sometimes go as low as five. And I think that even like recently there is mm-hmm. the, uh, the abnormal, I think they made a really limited number of those gold or kingpins. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so the, the big thing is understanding like that imp- impacts the cost of that figure because of, you know, as, as you go smaller in number, the price of that thing to make goes up. And then when you're talking about pad printing versus UV, UV, you, you know, you, you can be any, like there's places you can buy those kind of printers and print it almost in your house. If you really want to spend that kind of cash and then you can pay for it after three years of making minifigures and selling them. So it's, but whereas pad printing, you have to go to professionals to do that. Now you can pad print in your own house. It's going to take you months of doing that to learn how to do that uh, with like a single cheap printer, but the inks get expensive and learning how to make those. And you still have to make the printing plates themselves, which are very 
uh, if you want to make them well and really sharp, those are expensive plates. So it's not an easy thing to just jump into and do in your house. You have to do that with professional printers and producers. And it really takes a long time of working with those people to get them to do that. But that's one end of the cost. And then you also have to enter enter the the fact that you have to buy these parts in bulk, you know, or in, in, in numbers and then ship them to the the people that make those. Then you also have to pay for the shipping to and from those resellers. You have to pay for the custom parts to be made. So these custom parts are injected into machines and those take a long time to calibrate and get right. A lot of times, you know, you'll have something well-designed, but it still doesn't come out right from the press and you have to tweak things. So a lot of money goes into making those things. And now luckily some of these brands pretty much, I mean, they're almost spawned from like people that worked at those places and understand those processes. You know, I can guarantee that, you know, I, I have an inkling. I'm sure that Jin had to have worked with those people before to understand how to design those parts to uniquely, you know, change them so that they can work with uh, Lego parts. So, you know, so well, so I think there's a lot that goes into making those parts also. So all those things are expensive because of the numbers that you're making, which are so low. And so that drives up the cost. And so that's why these things are so expensive is the fact that it's at a low volume, which is hard for those you know, production facilities to really put time into unless it costs almost the same as if they made a whole bunch of them for another company. So that's something they have to consider too. All right. Wow. Uh, Phil, before we close out, do you have anything else you want to ask or... I've, I've probably been quite useless in this, but I spend too much time fangirling and listening, really, than, uh, than <laughs> and The way this works is Brett will ask the hard questions, so I ask the easy ones. So I've got a couple of things. Um, first one, pretty much every interaction I've had with you, Adam, has been very tame in the sense of language. So for, for me and for everyone, will you, will you drop an F-bomb for us? We haven't used ours up yet, so... Well, I guess I can fucking do that. Um Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard you do it though. She knew uh, type it, so that was on my bucket list. That's my off. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> he literally that's, did say that in DM to me today. He's like, I'm gonna get out of <laughs> Oh, that's fucking great. Um ah, that's two. You, know, right you, right right you got two of them. That's it. Okay, I gotta go Correct. wash up my mouth of soap. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Now, I, I I might have just dreamt this at some point in the past. But was there at some point some talk of you possibly doing some uh, Miles figs from the Spidey game, Miles Miles Morales? From the game? Was, yeah. Was there ever serious talk about that, or was it just something perhaps you'd mentioned in a comment in passing or something? Or well, I can say yes, yes, yes. Uh, there was. And there is, so something might be coming that's related to it at some point. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I I'm just can... wondering what's up with it, asking for a friend, you know, uh, the, guy, yes, yes. the guy sitting opposite us digitally. It's one of those things that's it's done and it's actually ready to go in terms of like, I could just put it on a presale, but it keeps getting bumped by things that are more current. And But I will say I'm super happy with how it turned out. Uh, it's definitely one, it's not it's not one that you guys would expect either. We're asking because there's so many nice Miles suits in our game, you know, some unique uh, creations just for the game. It, it does, you know, it would be, be so, some of them as well, especially with the, you, you, when you do the game designs, you, you go back to that very vibrant look like you did with your earlier figs, you know, the comic-based figs like Kinetic Man, and it would just be lovely to see the vibrancy and the accuracy of your design come into those figs, you know, it'd be lovely. Uh, me and Brett have said many times we would take one of every one you've, uh, you know, <laughs> every suit, basically. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, funny enough, that, that actually leads me into something else I wanted to ask is, um, with the with the miles figs, I'd wonder if perhaps maybe it's just 
too much time has elapsed since the release. So is that something that happens to you quite often? Do you find that there can sometimes be an issue that maybe a design is taking too long and you feel like uh, the demand for it has gone cold? Or It's a little bit of both because, yeah, because, uh, you know, how I was talking earlier about how, you know, I just keep coming back to it until I'm happy with something. That was one where, like, the design itself took a while to kind of be in a happy place because it was a design, uh, the, uh, one of the suits that really appealed to me in terms of design, like the way it really just, it was so much more different than any of the other suits. I thought it just looked fantastic, something that we had to have in the community that nobody was making. And so I wanted to get that design right, and I was really picky about certain aspects of it. And then I got happy with that, but then the problem was, certain parts of the parts that were involved to make the figure look a certain way i wanted to get exactly right too and so we've been tweaking we had been tweaking them for months and i think this thing has been ready since probably december-ish january-ish maybe and it just kept getting bumped by other ones that because it's actually in a collab with somebody that i'm already doing these collabs that have been released instead and they have reshuffled it along with me kind of in agreement just say, let's take advantage of, you know, this is a design we're ready for too that is actually more, you know, in demand and people would really like to see this. So, and so let's just wait. Cause I mean, the game was already out for what, when did that game come out? It was like two years well, ago, but all right. It's yeah, new because years, it yeah. came out the PC in December. It's going to be out this year. I was thinking maybe something, it might be something you might be holding back on until it, perhaps these suits come back into the game. Because I imagine they'll have all the suits from previous games plus new ones again in the next right. one. So, yeah. And so, it's, it's, I, would, I, I think right now we have it slated for late spring to come out. So I'm hoping that we can stick with that because I think there's kind of like a lull in terms of things that are kind of in demand at that point that I think would be a perfect place to drop that. Because I think it's one that I've been wanting to release for probably six to seven months now it's just like i said it's just one of those things where i don't i'm such a stickler i don't rush things to get it out i just i want to get it right and get it to look the way i want it to so that you guys can enjoy it too just as much as i would i think this one will hopefully be one of those that you're just like dang that looks sweet i i gotta get that even though you guys are both signed up just because it's a a spider-man fig but i think hopefully other people that aren't even into spider-man figs will just go dang that looks cool i gotta get that well to be fair i think you'd pro- probably doing yourself a favor not pumping out another spidey fig right now until the uh, other yeah, complete. yeah yeah well that's what i told too is that <laughs> uh, cause we don't want to start a revolt <laughs> right yeah and i actually told rex i said you know just to be right with the customers we can't until we get these things done to release anything else uh just to be because i mean they've been waiting that long the nice thing is we both have gotten word from the printer that we'll be able to doing a uh, freebie. Um, we're just working out how that'll work logistically because that could be a nightmare, but we have a good idea for a fig that we'd like to uh, include with that. So we're working on the logistics of that. Hopefully Rex isn't going to listen and go like, what the hell did you say that for? Um, that's. But the thing is, the person I'm collabing this one with isn't Rex, so I can say that much too. So it's one of those things where we've been working on it because it was kind of outside I felt that this was more of a game-based one, whereas the other ones that were all kind of related to um, uh, the movies. So I think that's kind of a different realm. I think you guys will like this one when it comes out. Hopefully, uh, hopefully late spring slash early summer, and that's hopefully when all the other. Spider- I'm gonna DM you a guess because I think you've already told me this a long time ago. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'm gonna DM you a guess, and we'll. You know, this sounds. I'm I'm open to that. How about uh, Phil? What else you got for me, buddy? Um, similar question to the last one, really. 
obviously you've got a certain design aesthetic um and sometimes what i imagine you have to sort of uh cater a little bit to a younger audience when it comes to your design language as well so are there any characters not necessarily superheroes could be anything any characters that you wish you could do but perhaps don't really fit in with with the brand so well yeah, because I mean, I've always, uh, I'm a kid of the 80s, number one. So anything 80s related that was iconic back then, I've always been wanting to do. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, fortunately, Legos made a lot of them that were good. Like, for example, I don't have to go to the Ghostbusters. Those have been knocked out of the park. I'm good with that. But I've always been interested in things like, you know, uh, I saw that LCM did a really cool RoboCop. Crystal did one earlier, but I, I've been waiting only for about three years for that one. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else was the other so there's Terminator was one growing up but that one we has have, been we done really an, well we need an, X, an ET-800 uh, endoskeleton this is true and the other one that I, I thought would be I know I, I love CB stuff but their, their design style is different than mine I've always one of my favorite actually probably one of my top three 80s movies was Ferris Bueller's so <laughs> I've always wanted to do one of those but I just always worry that you know is that really too niche you know is there not really that kind of a demand for one of those kind same with actually another show that I liked, actually me and my daughter got into was called uh, Sherlock. And so, but that's also, is that too niche? You know, is, you know, if it's too small, is it going to be, because I mean, it does take up a lot of production time and all that nowadays. I have to kind of have that in my mind in doing some of those. But if there is a way to do it in small volume like that, it'd be kind of fun to do those kind of designs. I've always liked those. And then there's also a bunch of, God, what were some of the ones that were kind of, I'm trying to think of the ones that were kind of outside the bounds of like a Lego, um, Except, you know, like, because they don't do violence as much and stuff like that. Um, mm. think of one of the movies. Yeah, I can't think of off the top of my hand, but there's a couple that I was like, well, they won't do it because of the violence involved with them and stuff. But now they're doing, you know, like, like I remember Deadpool was one that was right off the bat that I, I did originally and then I read. But yeah, anything that's kind of like off their, their radar right. that way has always been kind of appealing to. Go ahead and check your DMs, uh, Adam. I just sent you a photo. Did you? Uh, I want to see if I guessed right. I swear we talked about this before, the Smiles figure. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that's correct. But don't share that. That's just, that's... Uh, <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's, I, I, how, many, how, many, how many things can I blackmail you with releasing this is true. that you've shared yeah, with is, I'll also say this is probably one of the only times I think that you've gotten a preview of something before anybody else has, I think. I've kind of kept that to me and my other design friends. So this is... I think that's you've got to let him. Right. You've got to let him tell me now, Adam. <laughs> now, Phil, just because you're in this little circle, you might have All to. Right. I'll, 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 I'll let Phil know later. But Phil, I, I'm going to have. Uh, yeah. After gonna... after Phil gives me his muddy river carnage. Oh, there you go. There you go. Blackmail him. You got to black. Gonna, I'm going to send you a picture of my collector fig waving too late. Then I'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Now, I, but uh, I thank thank you for confirming that because I am very excited now. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was what I was hoping for. I, I think it yet, but I'm excited. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's one I've really wanted to do. With the minute I saw that come out, I was like, "Oh my god, I got to do that!" So it's been interesting to sit on that one for a while and then not be able to and get to a point where I was happy with it until recently. So, but we'll see when I can get that one out to you guys. Well, now I'm just gonna bug you every week about it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I knew it. Oh, I'm just kidding. Shit! Hey, Phil, I think Adam blocked me. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly asking where's this fig adam asking for a friend <laughs> that's right <laughs> we'll, we'll be your front man from now on all right well listen we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up I, I appreciate you for sticking around for so as long as you have this has been amazing oh you don't have to twist my arm I, if talking about this is easy so this has been a pleasure man i might i'm i'm contemplating making this a part one and two 
Well, <laughs> not not just that, but I mean, just the amount of work you're going to have to put in if you wanted to cut this down an hour. My God, I couldn't imagine. I, I want to have well, regardless, I want to have it all available when we premiere on on Sunday. But this is this was amazing. Um, I appreciate our, your earlier feedback on the first two episodes, the insights you've given to us inside the industry, and what you go through. I really did want to humanize the brands involved. Uh, I'll put this out there. This is this is being the first to be known. Jocka has also agreed to be interviewed uh, sometime Great. next month. Can't wait to hear so, that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And maybe in the future, I can get like you know Crosscheck and Mini Bigs and Joe from Sis and Brick. And I'd love to get everybody together and again humanize the brands. Let them understand there's more than going on than just I order you make and that's how it should be. Yeah. And did you see also that, uh, you know, we're all collectors slash fans too. You know, this is something that, you know, it's a hobby first. They got to understand this isn't something we get into just to make money. If it was, we were really stupid to get into it. But I think the biggest thing is just understanding I'm, I've been a collector and fan of Lego uh, for a long time. And then that's, this just just happened to be one of those golden things that all came together. And I've been lucky enough to do it continuously. So hopefully people can see through, you know, podcasts like this and chatting with me on Instagram, because I'm always open. I answer DMs all the time. If I if I don't, it's because you've been writing six of them that I've already answered and you're just not getting that I'm trying to say this is it. You know, I'm always very open to talk. And I try to be as uh, as accessible as I can. Obviously it's hard to do, but Instagram has made that a little easier. And uh, I I always, if you're someone that wants to learn more about what it is to be customizing in Lego I and mean, what it takes to do that, I'm always open to give you feedback on what you need to do and where you can look for resources. The only question I can't answer is, can I work with your guys? Because I wish I could, but unfortunately, they're just so busy. I wouldn't be able, you know, there's no way that they can get in there. So don't ask that one, but I'm open to any other question, you know, like what is it? take to do pad printing how much does it take to get started those kind of things i'm always open to that so i always love seeing new people get invested in this kind of uh area and to get into the community so anything I can there's do plenty help. of room there's no room to be gatekeepers for sure. exactly for sure and uh it's much more and to be honest it's much more open nowadays than it was when i got into it i mean crystal was maybe a little bit of eclipse graphics but crystal was like the only person pad printing so you had to go through him to get a minifigure so imagine where we've come since then that was what 2016 15 and now we've got there's so many people that you can go through and even you know local printers you can work with in your own countries and stuff that uh um that I, it makes it a lot more designs, yeah Right. And so, and I, and I think there's also more people into Lego now. So there's more designers that are in the community, more people that do CAD and things like that, and more resources available online. So it's a much better time to get into it then. It's just, uh, it's a hard leap to do because you, you got to invest money and take that risk. But I think getting into the community and just talking to people, like we said earlier, is the first step. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, if they have questions, I'm there to help them. So that's... Uh, that's great. That's really appreciative. And so we're going to go ahead and book in this, the, you know, end it the way we started and remind you that you need to make a squirrel girl fig for Sket. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sket, all right. I am convinced. I have been convinced by these guys. I will add it to the slate. You can thank both these brothers, Phil and Brett, for getting that on the slate for year 10. <laughs> Perfect. Now he's just going to give you some consultation on which version to do. Right. Exactly. I got to get educated. Okay. All right. So that being said, uh, again, thanks, Adam, for showing up. And thanks, Phil, for sticking it out. Uh, I know it's probably extremely early in the morning for you. What what time is it right now? Oh, God. Uh, just, gone, just gone three. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, Phil, get your sleep, man. Honestly, guys, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. It is. It's brilliant. Oh, 
This has been a blast. I, this this has nice been everything to talk to Adam for the first be. time. Never spoken before. I know. Been, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad to finally talk to you, Phil. Man, as long as we've known each other and been around the community, so it's good to talk to you. Especially to hear that awesome accent of yours, and you get a little bit of my Minnesota accent, so you get to have some of that. Yeah. 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 But thanks for having us, Brett. It's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe you know another. You know, we'll do a follow up in another year or so after I cycle through other interviews and all these other you know episodes that I got planned. Um, uh, so that being said, uh, again, thanks, Adam, for showing up. Thank you, Phil, for sticking around till about, you said, what, three in the morning? Yep. <laughs> Good Lord. What a and, trip, Yeah. And uh, currently stated for episode four, we're going to bring Jamel's Bricks on board. He's a relatively new collector who's made fast-tracked in getting situated within this community. And we're just going to figure out what his secret was and let him share his experiences as a newbie collector for those who might be trying to break into this uh, hobby. From the onset so okay that's all we got so until next time take care of each other take care of yourselves and we will see you next time bye and that concludes our interview with adam of phoenix customs his transparency and graceful responses to some difficult questions are most appreciated secondly thanks to phil for staying up late to help co-hosts and i've linked to phil's instagram in the show notes so you can swing by and show him some love Lastly, if you wish to lend some support to keep this podcast and other community initiatives going, there is a Buy Me Coffee link available in the show notes. Though never obligated, it's always appreciated. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. I want you on my rack. I want to make you ring. I want you to unwrap. I want to pull your string. Bring me the next.